something curious about this broadcast. T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, and we have main engine start, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and liftoff. This is TGP nominal. Commence episode now. All systems remain nominal. 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 Hello everybody and welcome to TGP Nominal, your monthly look at all things science fact and science fiction. Today on the show we're going to be bringing you a few bits and pieces from various conventions and smaller events that we've attended over the last few months. I've been meaning to get some of the recordings from Field of Force Day from last year out on the show um, and the reason why I didn't was well, I was hoping to get... Simon and JJ from Field of Force Day on the show and uh, later on uh, they will be talking to us about the future of Field of Force Day so that's the reason why it hasn't happened. Also got some bits and pieces from the Dead Universe 5th anniversary event that they had recently and I wanted to play some bits in from that once again we have Mr Berger with us. He should be on the other fader. How you doing, sir? Kafefe. <laughs> Don't stop that. <laughs> <laughs> Why? What? If he can have his buzzwords that only a few people know about, then so can I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that sounds like you've... you've um, you know those um, electric fly swats you can get? Put the the nine volt battery in it, and uh, it uh, kind of electrocutes the flies. Looks like a tennis racket. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it sounds like you've put your tongue on one of those. Hey, hey, hey! <laughs> I don't know, how you doing? <laughs> don't don't ask me how I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I d- no. <laughs> yeah, that hurt. It's like, well, how would you know what it like? What it feels like to pee on an electric fence? <laughs> that completed the circuit i can tell you but um (laughs) (laughs) who knew nine volts could actually feel that painful (laughs) but then when you think about it those tens machines they only power off of a nine volt battery so uh yeah quite powerful science (laughs) see the other thing and it does say in the instructions do not use rechargeable batteries and i thought well what difference does rechargeable and a normal 9-volt battery make. They're not exactly 9 volts that goes through a rechargeable battery. It's a little bit more. Oh. I didn't actually realise that until I plugged it in on the TENS machine, set it to my normal settings that I put it on, and, whoo, yeah, I felt that. Oh, wow. <laughs> I see, I, I have, we use rechargeable batteries so much in this house. Mm-hmm. I've yet to find a rechargeable 9-volt. The square kind of, um, yeah, yeah we, we have them here. Huh, I guess I just haven't. What we use so much more of like just about every game toy controller, whatever uses either AAA or AA. Mm-hmm. I guess those are far, far, far more common. And really, the only time I use nine volt is for our fire, uh, you know, our yeah. smoke detectors. Most most people use them for smoke alarms. Uh, the one we have is actually recharged by the mains. So some places that's a required code. Uh, here, this is here. It's not though, mm-hmm. not yet anyway. Which is a pain when it goes off and won't switch off. <laughs> because as True. it's solid, as it's kind of like solid state, it doesn't, you can't remove the battery. <laughs> point, point. 
Yeah, so when we come back, uh, we'll be talking a little bit more uh, about these different events, and we'll be starting off with the Dead Universe 5th Anniversary Celebrations. Uh-oh, nicotine. I'd better move fast. Up, up and away! Come on, kid, go on. Superman, is it hard to give up smoking or is it easy like nicotine says? You no good windbag, nicotine. No, no, Superman. Leave me one. Please, I need one. <laughs> yes. That's how hard it is. And that's why I never say yes to a cigarette. This is TGP Nominal. I was travelling to Aylesbury, my hometown, for these anniversary celebrations for Dead Universe and uh, it was the same time as you were recording with Dr Fowler about the Hubble. So that that was the reason why I couldn't be involved with the with the interview because I was in transit for this event. Now it's something I attend quite regularly because I'm a friend of uh, Ian Hine, the proprietor of Dead Universe Comics and the day before the event Ian and his wife were on this charity bike ride and they stopped off at a pub and he had a pint and decided to go on Facebook Live to promote the event which was happening the next day you know Uh, like you do And um, this is the the recording that came out from that, and it'll give you a a bit of a a heads up of what was happening at the Dead Universe event. Obviously, we got free comic book day at the weekend, so if uh, anyone um, is free at the weekend and want to come and get some free comics, uh, help us raise some money for uh, Blue Sky Thinking and also for Ollie's uh, funds, that would be really, really cool. We've got loads of stuff going on. We've got a massive raffle for all the huge teddies that you've seen in our window. We've got a massive first order Stormtrooper, um, which is the size of a small child. We've also got uh, loads and loads of comic Star Wars and Teddy-related stuff at the Tombola. We've got people doing signing. We've got Mike Peel from Rogue FX doing loads of cool props. Um, so lots of cool stuff going on. We've got loads of game demos. If you want to play Magic, Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh, you can come down. We've got table space. We've got loads of pre-constructed decks that you can come and play with. Um, did I mention the free comics? Did I mention that the whole thing is free? It's free. And we haven't even called it a Comic-Con. Strange enough because it's free comic book day at dead universe comics come and get some free stuff come and donate some money come and hang out we've also got connor connor richardson isn't it yeah uh who is uh raising money to rebuild a school in nepal to build a school in nepal so we've got a um a bike um which is being um lent to us by rush jim for the day uh connor's going to be cycling a stupid stupid distance on the day to help um raise some money what else are we doing what else are we doing on Saturday and Sunday? Ollie and Theo. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, cool. Uh, we have Ollie himself and his brother who are going to come down and they're going to sign loads of Beano comics because um, Theo, or um, uh, well, somebody wrote into the Beano and they were given uh, the chance to have a comic strip written about them where um, Theo is the editor of the Beano. And uh, it's actually really funny. It actually made me laugh out loud. So come down, buy a copy. You get a certificate with it. They're going to be very limited and all the funds obviously go towards Ollie so that will be really cool if you can pop down they're actually going 
be there between 10 and 12 on Saturday, Saturday only. Yeah, um, limited time. Yeah, so very, very limited time. I'm trying to think what else is going on. Um, Star Wars quilt. What's that really cool quilt. Oh, yes, okay. Uh, we've got Nick coming down with um, her Star Wars quilt. We have a Star Wars quilt, which we... What's, what's the value of it? £175. Yeah, which, which has a value of about £175, and um, it's absolutely stunning. So if you look on the Dead Universe page, there is actually a picture at the front and back of the Star Wars quill. I'm, I'm not even sure we're, how we're going to uh, work it on the day. To, is it just up it's for up sale? sale? It's up for sale, but we might come up with something really, really uh, clever to, uh, uh, to to do that as well. Um, but it, you seriously, go look on the Dead Universe page. It is the most stunning Star Wars quill ever. Um, so, uh, astronomy. And, and not to forget, we have uh, Ross from UK Astronomy down at the weekend as well. So he's going to be doing a little talk about uh, superheroes and uh, the science of the sun, and uh, we're going to be out on the market as well doing um, some um, scope uh, viewing of the sun so you can see some spots on the sun, amongst other stuff. Um, you can just see that Rachel just posted up the uh, Just Giving page from Blue Sky Thinking. So if you've got a 5 or 10 or, or 50 or 500, so I know some of you are very loaded. Just, just share the website just, as well. Just share, just share Blue Sky Thinking. That would be amazing as well. What else is happening on the day? Because I'm, I'm trying to think about the, the floor plan of what's happening on a free comic book day. And uh, oh, there's going to be loads of comics for a pound and loads of comics for 50p. If you go into the store, we're having a massive three for sale, T-shirts, merchandise, action figures, graphic novels. The back issue department downstairs is going to be fully open, which means that everything is going to be half price. And um, did I mention that it's free comic book day? Are you dressing uh, just up? Throw, I'm not dressing up. I'm not dressing up. But that's it. There you go. Cosplay as well. So if you know anyone who's crazy enough to dress up like a superhero or anything, then yeah, please get them to come down. Star Wars related superheroes, super villains. You can you can dress like a super villain. You can dress like someone out of an anime. I don't mind. Um, the more the merrier. So. Um, I'll keep saying um, because I'm good at that one. What else are we doing? Obviously, we've got Liz coming down with her Geeks by Design. So uh, she does loads and loads of really cool stuff. Um, so you can come down and buy uh, some cushions. Or you can buy a, uh, a coat hook, which has been incredible. So I don't know what I'm talking about. I... It's the beer. Lunchtime beer. Lunchtime beer. Apologies. Also, look, we've got Carl on here as well from Magic Kingdom Comics in Milton Keynes. So if you can't make it over to Aylesbury and... Uh, um, you are anywhere near uh, Milton Keynes area, then uh, Carl's got free comic book day going on as well, so pop over and give them some love as well. We are outside BHS, so we'll have a cordoned off area, which will be the size of a small town, so um, come down and um, so do that really as well. And, oh, there you go. You will all be happy to know, because I know you're all Lego nuts, and uh, what we're doing is we're doing a deal with uh, Brick and Mix, and uh, what we will have is we will have a section in the store where we will have ready-made little gorgeous bags of Lego. So if you ever wanted a Lego set and uh, you were like, I need more doors, I need more windows, I need more hinges, then come and see us because Andy has got it sorted and uh, we will actually be starting doing that on Free Comic Book Day and um, it will blow your mind because um, how many of you have ever been into a store where you can buy a little bag of Lego that wasn't already done by Lego? It's actually his little business idea. He's got an eBay store as well. Um, you'll be able to follow the link that he's just posted up. Um, TGP Nominal uh, Podcaster, he's going to be coming round and, and he's going to be interviewing uh, people as well. So uh, just remember, Free Comic Book Day, Blue Sky Thinking, Ollie's fund um, did I mention it's free and that we didn't call it Owlsby Comic Con 
<laughs> awesome. Excellent. All right. Cheers for listening, guys. And uh, we will see get back on our bikes. you soon. We got a shout out. We did. <laughs> There was a lot. We should do a Facebook Live. Oh God, that would be such a disaster. <laughs> yeah. No, no, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. No, no, no. <laughs> you heard the name Ollie come up quite regularly. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Ollie's fund has been set up to pay for life-saving cancer treatment for a 13-year-old boy called Ollie Gardner. Um, he was diagnosed with brain and spine cancer in May of 2015, and endured 10 cycles of chemo and 34 sessions of radiotherapy. Despite this, he relapsed in September of last year, and now the NHS refused to pay for any more treatment. He is now undergoing a new treatment in Austria, which has already made a difference against the tumours. The treatment is very expensive though, costing £440,000 for a full two-year treatment. An amazing £405,000 has already been raised and they need to make another £35,000 to carry on fighting the cancer and give Ollie the long life that all children deserve. This is one thing they always do at the Dead Universe events. Ollie's Fund is is a big concern of theirs and they've been raising constantly for that fund. Um, The other thing they mentioned was Blue Sky Thinking, which is not the corporate term. It's a UK-based charity inspired by the life of Sky Hall, who was a five-year-old boy who spent the last year of his life fighting a brain tumour the charity supports well-being projects and research into the treatment of childhood brain tumours. You know, we try and raise the money whilst we're at the events, and uh, it's all for a good cause. Very cool. The Bucks Herald newspaper featured an article about the event, and I'll put the article in the show notes. Now, the next piece I'm going to play in is a guy called Ross Hockham, who's from an organisation called UK Astronomy, which was mentioned in that last piece as well. Hi, Ross, how are you doing? Very well, yourself? Yeah, great. Now, UK Astronomy, what, what exactly is it? Uh, well, really, it's kind of just me. <laughs> well, it started off with me. Uh, I got into astronomy about three, four years ago. My wife just bought me a little tabletop Dobsonia, nothing special, about 50 quid for my birthday and uh, I went out into my garden in Milton Keynes which is light polluted and horrible for astronomers but I saw Jupiter for it and it's four moons and something just clicked in my head don't know what it was and this passion just came from nowhere from there I went and bought like a 10 inch Dobsonian (laughs) so there was no middleman straight to the big one and uh, I went out into a field in a darker sky started seeing nebulas and galaxies and I was like oh man this is fantastic how did I not know these things are here and then I just wanted friends. I wanted people to go out with and share it with. Because you can't really ring your wife up at 2am and say, oh my God, I've just seen a nebula. <laughs> so, yeah, I just started, it was my wife's idea, actually, again, to start a Facebook group called UK Astronomy. And there was 30 of my friends. Unfortunately, I just dragged them all in with me. <laughs> Two years later, we've now got like 2,000 members. We're a charity. And we go around schools, cubs, beavers and that and just teach anyone that will listen, really. And uh, people donate to us. So it's fantastic. Last year was kind of our pilot year I used to do all the talks I do about one a month <laughs> and I learned a lot from doing that because I had to research all stuff about Big Bang and you know our galaxies and things and yeah two years and it's literally just gone from there what would you suggest to somebody trying to get into astronomy I mean you just mentioned you didn't really need a an expensive scope to get involved what would you suggest yeah well 
I always say you don't need anything to be an astronomer. At first, go out and just look up the sky. Why well, I always say if you can get a good book, there's one called uh, I think it's Turn Left at Orion or something like that. There's some good books in Waterstones and places that you can get stuff. Beginner's guide, and then just go out and look up. Learn the stars. You start to learn the constellations. You may even notice where a planet is and things. There are apps as well on your phone that can help you. And then from Naked Eye, if you then go, oh, actually, I want to see more. Just grab a pair of binoculars. Start looking around the sky. Look across the Milky Way. You might see something. And then from there, if you really then think, oh, I've got the bug, go on our Facebook, go on our website, have a look, or go, and your best thing is to go and meet people who have got it. Societies, there's always societies dotted around everywhere. And look through other people's scopes first before you go and buy one yourself. Because if you just go and buy a random scope at a retail or something, it might not be what you want. It might not be, you know, you might want to see galaxies rather than planets, or you might want to actually do astrophotography rather than look. So really go and ask people who know and find out before you actually buy anything that's that's what i always say which is what we're here for to be honest with you a lot of the um, astronomical groups have loan scopes anyway that you can have a little bit of a troll with uh, you might have to be a member for a little while before they actually lend you one but uh, they are available at uh, a lot of the uh, astronomy groups so that's another good thing yeah yeah definitely i mean i know uh, tring astronomy center they're, they're fantastic as well they don't actually i know they go they go out with i think it's the was isn't it they go out with them and their, their society and they're just down the road from us in milton Keynes, which is where we're kind of based. I think there's one called Sandy nearby as well, who actually they lend out a 10 inch Dobsonian, which wow. is what I've got. I think it's 10 inch or 8 inch. So, yeah, I mean, the BAA as well, if you're a member of them, the British Astronomical Association, they, they have that as well. If you're a member of them, I think it's you just pay for the year and it's not a lot of money. Yeah and they will lend you scopes that you can then try out before you actually buy it. And that's, that's our biggest thing we say, don't just buy it, go out and try it. Go and meet like-minded people and have some fun. Now, you mentioned that you're a charity yourself, and you're also doing some charity work whilst you're at the event as well. Well, you're not, you're not personally, but... <laughs> well, no. uh, tell us about what, what's going on here today for, for charity. Well, right next to me, there's a guy called Connor, and he's actually cycling the solar system. So we've put it into 50 miles, so he's not actually cycling, you know, a few billion. <laughs> but slowly, through time, he's actually, he's taking, how long does it take, about four and a half hours? Yeah. Five hours? He's slowly cycling about 52.5, about 52.5 miles. So at the moment, I think he's just coming up to Jupiter, but he's got a, a way to go, haven't you? And he's raising money to uh, build a school in Nepal, which is a really good cause. How, much, how far are you going altogether? 7,400 kilometres in 652 days, if I read that correctly. Yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> so how... Uh, just move over there a minute. So you're, you're raising £3,000 for, for charity for the, this school in Nepal. And what I'll do is um, I'll take note of that because you've got, on this, this note that we're reading here, it's actually got a, a, a Facebook page that... Um, you can go to to find out more about the cause and everything else yeah, maybe we can get some of our listeners to raise a bit of money for you oh yeah that'd be great have you, have look, did you say you've got quite a lot so far yeah people about 2,000 yeah 2,000 so far so he's, he's nearly there then <laughs> nearly there <laughs> now I'm going to have a quick word with, with Connor actually whilst he's, whilst he's pedalling <laughs> away hi <laughs> 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 Connor good morning so you were doing this yesterday so you're kind of doing well you're still doing it in the same direction but it's kind of like the return leg as it were oh yeah easy <laughs> it definitely feels like the return leg <laughs> and you were here from oh when did you start doing it yesterday quarter past 11 yesterday and up to about 
about four, five. Four, five o'clock, yeah. And you're doing a similar thing today. He's actually just reached Jupiter as we speak, so he's there. He's at the, That's the gas giant. Excellent. So what's that? It's about nine miles, so he's got a bit to go. And it's, <laughs> it's not been, he's not been here long, and he's, he's got that far already. Well, good luck with it. Thank you. And keep up the good work. Fingers crossed, yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> what was that thing about pedalling? <laughs> they had an exercise machine, exercise bike, and they'd converted the distance between the planets into, like, miles of 50 rather than billions of miles, okay? So there were small gaps between the nearer planets from Earth, and then the further you get away from Earth, the gap is bigger, so the more he's got to pedal. So by the time you get to the edge of the galaxy, he's pedalling a far distance to get to the end. Man, that's... <laughs> well, more power to him. And uh, every time he reached another planet, um, they had these inflatable planets <laughs> that they were blowing up and putting beside him. He did from Earth to the outer rim of the galaxy on the Saturday... And on the Sunday, he did the outer rim back to Earth again. He did the return journey. <laughs> nice. Raising. Again, more power to him. I couldn't do that. Yeah, he. it was quite a warm day as well. So, yeah, he was a bit tired by the end of it. <laughs> he was enjoying himself because he, he likes riding, he likes running. He's part of one of the local running clubs. Uh, actually, riding an exercise bike was actually easier than running. <laughs> Ross from UK Astronomy uh, we had a little chat and uh, he would like to come on board occasionally and uh, do some uh, like a, a regular feature and I thought that would be a great idea where he could do a, a piece about you know what, what to look for in the sky this month mm -hmm. that kind of thing you know it gives them a bit of promotion and uh, it was great to talk to another like minded person he had to go off to go and get some some bits and pieces and uh, he left his wife in charge of the stand and uh, she isn't all that up to date with what's going on up in the sky <laughs> uh, and he basically shouted over to her as he, as he left the area if anybody asks you some questions about astronomy ask Mark <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah I remember seeing that picture too that was a behemoth of a telescope yeah he calls it the cannon i understand that <laughs> from what i can gather one of those brand new is about three thousand pounds something like that oh, which is probably about four thousand american <laughs> no yeah it was pretty big and it's great to, to talk to him about different things and i'm part of the uh, uk astronomy facebook group and he is constantly putting posts up which is not a bad thing there's some really interesting stuff it's also promoting other things that he's he was doing he was at a, a fair last weekend and um, they've been raising money for a sun scope and they managed to use it for the first time because it was a really sunny day on uh, both days Saturday and Sunday was really sunny days and uh, he was showing kids sunspots and things Nice. So um, he got a few pictures of that, and he said this is what it's all about, getting kids involved in astronomy. Now, the, the next person I spoke to is a staff member at uh, Dead Universe Comics, and he was brought in, uh, well, all will be revealed when I play it in. 
And I'm with one of the staff from Dead Universe Comics. I'm with Nathan Barber. How you doing, Nathan? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. It's been a wild weekend. Really busy. Loads going on. And people have just come in their droves to appreciate and have fun this entire weekend. Now, Nathan, what is your actual role within the, the store? I'm essentially a coordinator for all the gaming stuff. I help out with all of the card games... I help out with our tabletop role-playing, some of our other tabletop games, and I'm also bringing more board gaming into the store as well, and generally just getting people playing more games. Excellent. How long have you been with the company? I've been working here officially for about 18 months now, but I've been helping out with the store, running juniors clubs and various other gaming-style events for about three, four years now. And um, how did you start getting involved? I discovered Dead Universe when I came back during one of my summer holidays during my university years. And one of the things that I really got into whilst I was studying at university was a game called Magic the Gathering. And I discovered that when I came back, Dead Universe were running tournaments, running gaming nights for Magic the Gathering. And I basically got involved in those, started helping out with some of the tournaments they were running as well and then it's just been one thing after the next from there it's one of the things that Ian has been trying to push forward for for a long time is the gaming side of things and uh, bringing you on board is is just going to emphasise that yeah absolutely one of the first things that I did when I joined was actually start up an evening board game group so every Tuesday evening at Dead Universe Comics um, there are a bunch of us who all meet up and play board games and at the start of it it was just two, three people and now we have about a dozen regulars who come down on a regular basis to come and play board games and all of that's just gone through word of mouth it's not something that I've been promoting as such it's just people telling other people about it and getting their friends to come along as well so hopefully in the next year once I start pushing it properly through the centre through Facebook and everywhere else it's just going to absolutely explode Do you think that board gaming in particular is going for a bit of a renaissance at the moment? Oh absolutely actually I, I think video games are part of the reason for it when I was young growing up playing video games used to be able to get three, four people around a single television set playing games and you'd have the camaraderie the banter of all being there elbowing each other and playing a game together socially with the advent of the internet that's something that you can't get anymore with a lot of video games and people are starting to realize actually they can relive those experiences of when they were younger not with video games but with board games and there are a lot of new board games a lot of new companies coming out making new stuff inspired by video games and other types of nerdy geeky media and it's drawing in people from all over the place and just getting them back sat around a table playing a game and having fun which is, I think, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I think that it's something we definitely need because there is a lot of people staring at screens a lot these days. <laughs> so to actually get people 
in a room together and actually socialising rather than doing it across a stream of some description yeah. is, is much better. Absolutely, and I've been guilty of that myself as well, so being able to get out of the house meet up with like-minded people as well is absolutely fantastic and Dead Universe is a, an absolute hub for all of that and being able to, to make board games a part of that is an absolutely fantastic experience for me Well Nathan, thanks for talking with us Anytime, absolutely pleased to So yeah, that was Nathan Barber uh, a great ambassador for the company <laughs> He's really passionate about what he does. He was actually last weekend at one of the big Comic-Cons in uh, the UK, the London MCM convention at uh, London XL. And what was he doing? Teaching people about board games. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. He should head over here to uh, PAX Unplugged. Yeah, yeah, um, because uh, he he was well aware of the the extension uh, on uh, Pax East uh, that you mentioned about. It used to be like a little corner of the the <laughs> the convention, and now it's like taken up a massive area. Mm-hmm. And he's well aware of these things are going on. So yeah, he's he's up there. He's also got a, a science background as well because he's got a, a degree in I think it's one of the physics he's got say, a degree in. And he keeps throwing news stories in my direction. When he sees them on Facebook, he sort of throws them in my direction. Have you seen this? So he wanted to get involved with the podcast as well. It was quite a good networking experience this year for me. If he wants to bring a sciencey side of things, he can. But if he wants to bring a something to do about role-playing games and things, that's also good because it's all part of what we do. Mm-hmm. I mean, the more people with different strengths, the the better. I think. I mean, you've you've got your science stuff and your video gaming side of things, which is all part of the whole thing. And you know, the more voices can only bring something to to the whole mixing pot. I think. Mm-hmm. Now, the the next person I spoke to needs no introduction because, well, basically, I introduced the person on the recording. So. Um, Ooh, bad joke, bad joke. <laughs> so have a listen to this and uh, let's see how it goes. I'm talking with Liz Springs. Hi, Liz, how you doing? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm fine, I'm fine. Now, as people have probably already gathered, that you're not from these shores originally. No, I'm uh, I'm an Air Force brat. My dad's from North Carolina. <laughs> That'll explain as a the, the accent, the draw is there. But um, you're here for two reasons, and the, the the main reason you're here really is that you you've got your own range of products that you sell. Um, so uh, tell us about your your setup. It's uh, geek by design. Um, geeky homeware is the easiest way to sum it up. I've always been very crafty. It seems to be a very southern thing to do. I remember my grandmother teaching me to paint things and decorate t-shirts and all that kind of thing as a little kid and it just sort of stemmed from that and it's very relaxing. Doing making things, doing things with my hands, and um, especially after I had my my daughter, I have a five year old daughter. Um, it really sort of rewires your daily routine and how you can do things and being at home and so on. And I just found in the evenings 
I was fidgety and I got back into making things. It's just, I've, you know, grown up into a complete nerd. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that, I can tell you. It's pretty much anything fandom-based. I mean, the majority of it is things like Marvel, Star Wars, Harry Potter, my main sort of things. But it's everything from cushion covers. I've made baby blankets out of geeky fabrics. I've table runners, that sort of homeware type things. I do wood burning like plaques with phrases and lines from films and stuff on them. I do glass engraving, glass painting, pretty much anything I can think of um, or that somebody wants done. That's pretty cool because I've seen some of the glass that you aware that you do because when you even got things on there like the dark crystal which is uh, very unusual because there's a lot of people that don't remember that movie. I'm amazed how many people there are out there who haven't seen the dark crystal but I am a, a huge Henson fan. I love it. Um, I grew up watching obviously mostly reruns in the 80s but the Muppet Show absolutely loved watching that long before they were doing all the cartoons and stuff and the dark crystal is just fantastic and labyrinth and things like that i love them they're fantastic there's just something so much more vibrant feel to puppets and stock animation and things than there is to cgi mm-hmm. it was really a thing for me that really stood out when i saw it it's just that because you've got the, the usual culprits as i like to call them with the marvel and the star wars and stuff but actually seeing that there was was a nice touch but the actual products that you make, the the, the cushions in particular, the the quality of them are are really, really good. Thank you. I like them. I pick up most of my fabric when I go home because the the range is much bigger there. But I like them. They're cute. And the things, I don't see why we have to, there's this whole stigma to grow up, isn't there? So, okay, I'm I'm a grown-up. I have a daughter. I have a mortgage. I have a house. Doesn't mean I'm suddenly going to develop a fetish for floral chintz so (laughs) why shouldn't I decorate my house how I like I mean in my house I've got swords hanging on the walls in my house that's the kind of thing I collect so (laughs) now whilst we're on the subject of growing up (laughs) tell the listeners about the other thing you do I do charity cosplay which is just a really good excuse for dressing up and getting to play around and run around and make kids smile collect high fives and raise money for good causes. And how many different outfits have you got? <laughs> um, uh, one, two, three, um, four, five, six, seven, about ten. <laughs> I thought so. <laughs> Don't even start on the ones that I'm working on or that I've got pieces for. I've got like a couple of uh, Tim Burton things. I've got a, a Sally from Nightmare Before Christmas and a uh, Emily from Corpse Bride. I've done a sort of Arkham-ish style Poison Ivy with all the full body paint and much green. I've got a Kaylee from Firefly. I did a um, Dr. Harleen Quinn sort of thing and Star Wars Star Wars and Star 
Wars. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you what is your favourite, but it's going to be Star Wars, I know this. It's not so much that. It's um, started out just for it being Halloween. Halloween is a big deal in America. One of my favourite, favourite pictures is there's me and I'm about two or three years old. It's Pish taken out the back of the house before we went trick-or-treating and I'm in a She-Ra costume. Oh, wow. Because this would have been about 1986, so prime She-Ra sort of decade. It just I've gone so all out on Halloween since being an adult. <laughs> um, adult, yeah. And then I got into just dressing up for the hell of it and then sort of discovered this whole cosplay conventions. I love it. I mean, the fact that I can sew is handy. So like um, most of my stuff, I've if not made the whole thing, I've done most of. Um, like my Poison Ivy corset, I glued many hundreds of ivy leaves individually onto this corset to get the look and that originally was a Halloween costume that wasn't even (laughs) necessarily a kit as it were but I've fallen in with a bunch of really good people really good friends who are all Star Wars nuts too and I've spent a lot of time with them going to things and yeah I love them I love the guys they're awesome and it is really really addictive um just how happy kids are to see you because it's this character that they've seen on TV, seen in the in the movies, and you're bringing it to life for them and they get to hug that person or high five that person and get a picture with them and the smiles and the excitement, the bouncing up and down it's just, it is, it's wonderful and I love it and the huge, huge, huge bonus of raising money for the various causes we do like today we were out doing it raising money for um, for Ollie's fund which is a very sick lovely little boy who I've met and done a few fundraising bits for Ollie but we've needed to raise over £400,000 and they've raised over 400000 so far it's really amazing the way the community has come together and the way that we can help is running around bucket shaking and waving blasters and lightsabers and of course one of the other events that uh, both you and I have quite an emotional affection for uh, which is Field of Force Day which got me started in what I'm doing now just you thinking about Field of Force Day I can see it in your eyes Field of Force Day is a wonderful event and God bless the guys that came up with it speaking from I've, I've kind of been both sides of the fence I have some health issues that put me in a wheelchair a few years ago and I spent five years of my life either on crutches or in a wheelchair mm-hmm. and couldn't stand up on my own, couldn't walk, none of it. And it's not very disabled friendly, this side of the pond. Um, in America, there's a, lot, there's a lot more laws in place about shopping centers, stores, everything having to have like wider aisles and accessibility and all this kind of thing. Whereas here, I found there were certain just like stores in the shopping mall I couldn't even go in because the aisles are so narrow mm-hmm. um, and things like that and the idea of trying to go to a convention or something with all that amount of people just pushing in on you so I've seen it from that side of things I've seen it from the anxiety point of view and it's just amazing the thought that goes into the Field of Force Day and the everything from the 
the touch tables, the smells, the the costumers being willing to let you touch their costumes, the quiet space for if your anxiety is getting to you, and the, the other side of it being just how amazingly well they take care of their costumers. I mean, you, you never go home hungry from Feel the Force Day for a start. And the space to get changed, to kit, all of it, they are so considerate. And it's just so well put together. And yeah, the uh, it hits you right in the feels. It truly does because the atmosphere is so happy and it's so welcoming. Because a lot of, I mean, I love conventions. Don't get me wrong. I'm don't I don't want anybody to think I'm saying anything bad. I'm just saying that some of the the bigger ones, it can be intimidating when you've got you know a few thousand people mm-hmm. at your elbow yeah and there's just something about feel the force it's it's a different pace it's a different it's, it's a different speed and everybody is just welcoming and friendly and patient and again it's you know you have the kids there and everybody there and as well as the more sort of disabled side of the table as well and everybody is just so happy it's infectious it's wonderful it's it's definitely a highlight on my calendar yeah me too i mean i the first time i went to feel the force day uh, i've been to a few other conventions and um you know you're there before it starts and everything is just manic and crazy and everything else you go to feel the force day before it starts and you do not get any of that everything is still relaxed right up to the final minutes before the doors open although you do get the look in Simon's eyes that um, he's losing it a little bit but um, yeah (laughs) that's a different story (laughs) no it's it's definitely a highlight on my calendar I'm definitely looking forward to this year I'm uh, looking forward to this one for two reasons the one being looking forward to being there and there's also looking forward to something that's hopefully going to be happening this yeah year. well <laughs> regular listeners keep watching this special listening to this space as it were because we'll probably bring you that when uh, when we go to fill the fourth stage so um, fingers crossed there should be something particularly awesome occurring this year that I'm privy to and I'm hoping that I can pull it off in time so, yeah, listen to this space. <laughs> well, Liz, thanks for talking with us. Thank you for listening to me. Liz is wonderful. <laughs> Sounds like it. I'm trying to pin that accent. Sounds like kind of southern, but maybe she's been in Ireland for a while or something. Uh, I, I, it, the accent does drift in and out occasionally. It does. It's like, okay, she sounds really Irish in this one section, then all of a sudden she gets the southern drawl. It's like, which one is she? But she said that she cosplayed as Kaylee from Firefly. I'm in love. <laughs> We're done. We're done. <laughs> Yeah, she does a <laughs> lot of cosplay. Not only was she just there selling, she had somebody else that could help her on the stand while she was getting kitted up. She debuted an outfit. She was a snow trooper, and uh, she said, I can't keep it up in this outfit for long because I'm feeling quite claustrophobic and hot. But she did some nights. I think she did two hours wearing the snow trooper outfit. So, wow. And I'm glad she gave me the heads up because I would have had this snowtrooper following me around and waving at me. And obviously, in the snowtrooper outfit, you're not going to know it's a woman inside it. Yeah. And, and as I say, she builds 
all these costumes herself. And what the work she does is is truly amazing. And again, Liz would like to get involved with the podcast. She goes to a lot more events than I do, so she could probably report on a lot of the events that I don't get to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, she goes to a lot of the bigger ones. Um, she did a big one for a charity at uh, Legoland recently, uh, ra- raising a lot of money for charity, actually. Uh, Yay, t- Windsor! Yeah. <laughs> the Joker Squad raised £15,000 for charity. Wow, nice. That day. And it's one of the highlights of every Star Wars costumer group it is their version of you know like at Disney World they used to have the Star Wars weekends mm-hmm. uh, it's a similar thing to that but at Legoland Liz gets involved in so many different things and I, I believe I'm not 100% sure that she is now part of Rebel Legion as well now so I think she's had one of her uniforms authenticated by the Rebel Legion so now it's an official outfit um, and she's constantly coming up with ideas. And I know she wants to build a um, Mandalorian outfit. Mm, there you go. I would love to. It's just a time. You get the list of all the things you'd love to do, and, and that kind of thing is on there. But, boy, it's just not high on the list because there's so many other things. It takes a lot of time out of your weekends and things to build a really, yep. really good costume. And even if you bought one, you know, like a really good one off the internet there. It's so expensive. Uh, especially if you went to someone like a Novos. Because they... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen their stuff. Oof. Their stuff is really good, though. Really good. Yeah, and then you go to Amazon, you say professional quality, and it's 150 bucks, and it's like... Yeah, okay. right. <laughs> That's... I did, I did love her giggle when you asked her how many costumes she had. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just like, oh boy, how many? Just that that nervous. Yeah, okay, you asked for it. <laughs> now, the last one, and no means least, from the Dead Universe event is, well, once again, he doesn't need an introduction. But uh, listen to this. It's been a, a heck of a weekend, and uh, if you haven't already guessed, I'm talking to the boss man himself. It's <laughs> Ian Hine from Dead Universe Comics, and uh, five years. Yeah, it's been quite incredible, really, because obviously when when we opened this point five years ago, we genuinely actually heard people walking past the store saying, well, you know, they won't be here very long, and we didn't do it to prove them wrong, but it is obviously nice to prove them wrong at the same time. And on to bigger and better things, we're going to have a little holiday at the end of May, me and the family, and when we come back, we're going to strip the shop out, give it a lick of paint, and make a lot of additions to what we already do, and obviously we're going to predominantly be staying in a comic book store, but you'll see a lot more merch-orientated things happening. Uh, we already do a ridiculous amount of gaming clubs but we are going to be very much growing the gaming side of things we already are an advanced store and a sanctioned store for pretty much everything that's card game related magic pokemon Yu-Gi-Oh, etc my little pony uh, but we're going to be moving more into the war gaming tabletop board gaming 
aspects as well because we've got a couple of guys who are experts on that so you can look for that to happen but um, people have mentioned that um, you know are you going to be a little bit like a, a mini Forbidden Planet I guess so you know obviously massive shout out to all the Forbidden Planets around that look amazing that draw everyone's attention and you can't really beat that business model um, in terms of aesthetically pleasing if people just want to come in and do a bit of window shopping but you know yourself we do things a little bit differently so um, people get a warm welcome when they come in and they feel at home we've got a massive massive following in terms of how we deal with the community and we get a lot of love from the local community as well so that's always appreciated and uh, this is a nice way of paying back as well because a lot of people get to come and hang out we do lots of different activities and uh, it's all in a name free free comic book day so it's all about free it's all about putting a show on for somebody and uh, them coming along and um, just getting to enjoy themselves get your geek on come down every year we're going to be doing the same again in Halloween as well so we always do a Halloween event so it breaks the year up nicely so now we're just going to sit down work out what we didn't do correctly because every year we try and do so much more and uh, the Friday before we always fall over ourselves and uh, half the stuff doesn't happen (laughs) now you were talking about the work you do with the community uh, and and since I spoke to you last on on the podcast you've won a couple of awards for the work you do in the community Yeah, Uh, yeah. tell us a bit about that it was um, the Owlsby Vale Business Awards the idea was we got put into the category for um, best independent retail which we won which was which was really nice and we, obviously we were hoping we would win and when we got shortlisted um, you know there was a lot of uh, you know like, oh, you, you guys should definitely win and we did and on the night it was quite an amazing feeling and when we got to the end of the evening my wife pointed to the um, one of the little placards and said oh I think you're in the running for this and it says at the bottom overall business winner and I didn't even know that there was one I thought there were just categories and then they did a talk at the end started, started um, giving a breakdown of um, why the company that had won had won and uh, they started talking about community and they started reading out some quotes because when you when you voted online you had to fill out a little quote and um, there were some really nice things being said uh, to <laughs> nice I like that word nice things being said and it sounded like us but I thought it, it's not going to be us because there's 80 plus businesses in contention for this and some of them have been going for 100 years and then as she read out a couple more quotes I just thought well that that, that is us and then my heart sank and then they, they called our name out and um, the, basically it was just that it was all about the community and what we've done and how the community have received us and what they like about us and the way that we deal with them so it's nice because we've always thought outside the box and we've always done things a, a bit differently which kind of in a way stunted our growth because we, we're not just there just, just to get people's money I mean sure we're a business and we, we need to get paid but we always worked it if we did everything um, for the needs of the community first then that would come back and then when we got paid we'd, uh, we'd feel good about ourselves and I'm sure I probably said that the mission statement before was to build a community and a social structure around it uh, to create a safe haven for anyone who's into comic collectibles and gaming through no fear of prejudice and to open our doors to anyone from any walk of life and it's, it's a nice mission statement and yeah. uh, it rolls off the tongue quite nicely <laughs> and uh, people always laugh when I say it but it's it's exactly how I always felt and now after five years I'm, I'm proud to of, you know, been doing it this long and knowing that it's successful and knowing that we've got so many people behind us. So, uh, yeah, on to the next five years. And you've always been an ambassador for people with um, learning difficulties and disabilities uh, as, as part of what you do. And, and that's probably one of the reasons why people voted for you. And, and, and it's well-deserving in that in that respect. I appreciate that. It's, 
it's, it's really nice to hear uh, coming from lots of different angles because people are people at the end of the day and um, you do have to make concessions for, for people from all different walks of life because you don't know what people's backgrounds are you know people that um, have learning difficulties people that have got mental health issues people that have got uh, social anxiety people who are on the autistic spectrum Asperger's dyspraxia there's just so many different things going on and there's so many people out there who are having a hard time and uh, they, they, they find a safe haven where we are because if you're into comics and collectibles and gaming then you're probably a little bit different anyway and what's great about our community is that they're all very understanding so when someone comes along no matter who they are or where they've come from everyone gives them a warm welcome and everyone gives concessions to the fact that we are all a little bit different so you're not under any pressure to perform you can come and just be who you are you know I've got three kids and I've always told them you be who you want to be when you want to be and uh, you don't have to conform you don't have to fit into other people's ideas of what you should and shouldn't be and uh, if, you, if, if you're 20 years old and you still want to go out and buy a Thomas train because it looked cool on the shelf then please go and do that and that's the way you've always been to be honest with you <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. since I've known you yes <laughs> absolutely absolutely when I was a small child I was always told you shouldn't have this you can't do that you're too old for this and you're too old for that and I think that we've actually come quite far as far as um, you know a, a geeky or nerdy community is concerned it's so close to being mainstream it'll always be on the outside looking in which is probably a good thing but there were so many people that walked past the store now and just pop in just out of interest they've seen it on TV they've seen the lunchbox they've seen the film the cartoon uh, their kids have a t-shirt you've got a grown man walking down the street with a Green Lantern t-shirt on he's not into the comics but you know he likes the idea of it and there's no stigma attached to it so people can walk into the shop now just ask questions have a little joke around and, uh, and if they're open to buying something then fine we've got a wicked selection of graphic novels and we've we've never been in a better place in terms of the thing that I love the most which is comics um, we're in a golden era the quality of the product that's being produced right now is at its highest and the amount of back catalogue quality that's available in print right now is at its highest so you know for the thing I love the most we are genuinely at the best point in time you pop in there's something for everyone yeah. and uh, we don't just want your money we want you to have the right product so you might come in one day and find that you can't walk away with anything but the next time you come in you'll trust my judgement when I point out three things and you walk home with them you'll give me a call and say you were right they were amazing <laughs> and that's that's what it's all about that's where the passion is and, and trust me folks if anyone's got the passion about the comics there's this guy here thank you <laughs> <laughs> well thanks for talking with us Ian uh, I really appreciate you coming down and uh, talking to all the locals as well buddy it's uh, nice to see you uh, year on year and um, just uh, keep watching the space and uh, hopefully I'll see you uh, Halloween time yeah yeah brilliant nice thanks thanks a lot buddy you might have heard him pushing it a bit at the, the other recording I had of him on the, the Facebook live thing and on there he kept going on about free and not calling it out mm-hmm. Comic Con well there is an event being held at one of our local theatres calling themselves Aylesbury Comic Con and it's just an excuse to get money out of you basically right well from what I understand I've seen some posts saying that to call yourselves a Comic Con you actually owe license fees to San Diego Comic Con oh right so they might not granted they're not in the U.S. I don't know how that works, but I just remember I read something like last week about that. I was like, really? That's interesting. <sighs> it's probably about six or seven months they've been online and they've put two posts on Twitter. And that's that, it? That's it. A few more on mm, Facebook. Okay. I approached them when I first heard about it, which is when it was first announced, and thought, well, it's in my hometown. It would be really good to be involved, you know, um, podcast with them and things. One person said, oh, yeah, it sounds like a good idea. That's all I heard from them, and they just don't 
reply to anybody, hmm. which is a bit odd. Uh, and all, yeah. you, all you get is, oh, go to the ticket office at the theatre to buy your tickets. It doesn't seem like a proper event. And I think these little digs that Ian was making was kind of like a protest about these so-called <laughs> Comic-Cons. Right. When he can put on an event on like that for two days and it's free. No, I don't blame him. Don't blame him at all. There's something there for everybody. Uh, and one thing I will say, uh, and it's one little touch that I love about Dead Universe comics, with every purchase you get a free high five. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Just that little touch, no pun intended. But that's the kind of thing they do. Uh, it's really good because it's on two floors now and they've got the, the gaming floor and the shop floor and uh, he's done a lot I mean when I first got involved with him in the comics side of things he had a little stall on um, equivalent of a flea market um, and that's how he started up and, and now he's got a proper store thinking of getting another store in another town and he wants to put on a Comic Con type kind of event a proper Comic Con style event one of his plans and uh, he, he kind of said to me I'd love TGP Nominal to have more of a presence at the event I don't know quite what he meant by that but <laughs> be interesting to find out yeah I mean what I don't know so whether he wants me to host uh, a Q&A panel oh wow I don't know <laughs> that would be kind of cool yeah so we'll just have to wait and see is everything there's a lot going on in Ian's head at any one particular time and I know he's like me he's forever juggling things <laughs> to try and work it all out we are very similar in that respect so that was the Dead Universe 5th Anniversary Stroke Star Wars Weekend Stroke Free Comic Book Day Weekend which is always a busy event and as you said there's going to be another one in Halloween that sort of time and they're really worth going to and that is it for this section of the show and when we come back we're going to talk a little bit more about Field of Force Day Robin Hood, 
Jawa, Minnie Mickey, please don't grow up, let's give a shout to Bunker with a Georgian zippy. We got hot days, got a TARDIS and a Cyberman, we got hot days, see some Megan wanna meet Iron Man, we got hot days, Lord Vader King, you know he's a man, we got hot days, don't be sad, ain't got much funny, break it down, soup and roll, hallelujah, disable blue, hallelujah, change your place, hallelujah, Gonna give it to you Feel the force Gonna give it to you Feel the force Gonna give it to you Point it is I'm not top to spot Don't believe me Just touch Come on Welcome back to TGP Nominal, and as promised, I'm going to play in a few bits from last year's Field of Force Day that uh, I didn't get round to putting into the show. And the first interview is a guy that I was supposed to speak to at Wickham Comic Con last year, but I don't know if you remember, I had a few technical issues and I lost a few of my interviews. Uh, I do remember that. I don't remember the specifics, but yeah, I, I do remember you saying that you lost some. And this was one of them. So I, I got in touch with the guy and I said, look, is there any chance we can reschedule the, the interview? Um, I, I explained the situation and he said, yeah, that's fine. Um, I'm going to be at Field of Force Day. Come and see me. So I did. I came over to speak to him and he brought in another person that I can speak to as well at the same time. Hmm. So I'll play that in so you can hear what happened. I am honoured at the moment because I'm surrounded by people from Star Wars The Force Awakens at the moment. We've got... um, Paul Warren, who's uh, been with us before on the show at uh, Wickham Comic Con, and, 
and uh, Keith the Winters. Now, tell us, Paul, what character you actually played in, in the movie. Uh, yeah, I played Varmik, who's one of uh, Maz Kanata's uh, patrons in, in the castle. Uh, as, you, as they go into the, the castle, as they open up the doors, I'm the, the, the furry Hass character that they follow around the room. Right. And uh, what about you, Keith? What, what did you play? Uh, the character I play is Goss Tours, and I uh, he works on the resistance side, and I'm the, the best way to describe him is the go-to guy. If it's broken, he'll fix it or fuel it. Yeah. So pretty important then in the actual big scale of things. Uh, well, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Paul, um, when you were f- filming, where did, where did you actually film the scenes? Uh, it was all done at Pinewood Studios, all the Maz Castle stuff. Yeah, there's a set built inside one of the studios there that was, you know, pretty incredible. Uh, the exterior, we did do a shot where we all come out to look at the planets being blown up, and that was on uh, the backstages at Pinewood as well that they built an exterior for Maz there. Excellent. Because we, we wanted to speak to you before uh, yes. about this, because we kind of knew that you were going to be involved in something, but we couldn't couldn't tell you say anything that was going on. So it was it's great to actually speak as, to you as about much, it now. As much as you tried to get anything out of me, it wasn't happening. So, <laughs> so anything you've got to say, say it now. But a bit of a bit of a giveaway when you were wearing one of these um, these these hoodies with. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> But that doesn't mean I was going to tell you anything. <laughs> now, Keith, the same, same to you, really. Where was the majority of where you were filming? Uh, the majority of the filming that uh, I did again, same as Paul, it was at the Pinewood Studios. Right. Um, we did go on location to Green and Common, and that was to do the exterior for the Nova Falcon and the X-Wings. Yeah. But that was great, wasn't it? Oh. I never saw the Falcon no, the whole time there, never saw it. One of the most amazing uh, days on Green and Common. Yeah. I was walking down the tunnel and coming out the other end and walking out and the Millennium Falcon was there right in front of me and I, I was blown away. I bet, it I was bet. amazing, I tell you. So, uh, Green and Common, I mean, we, we'd seen the, uh, the leaked pictures of people have taken with drones yeah, and yeah, bits and pieces. So what was that like when you actually got there? Because, I mean, the, what they actually did with the, with the special effects and everything to make it look like a, a rebel base uh, or a resistance base, as the case may be, yeah. Uh, you, you couldn't really recognise it as, as uh, an old No, 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 you, yeah, you, you couldn't really know when the film came out and I watched you know, those, those scenes. It was amazing how you know, they put all this together. But I remember that even being there on the day, the amount of practical effects that we had, um, that, that, that was just amazing. Like I say, a full-size Millennium Falcon. I mean, that was, that was just incredible. And the same with X-Wings. You have those as well. And all these droids going around and again... Other creature performers. It was breathtaking. You're making me jealous. <laughs> breathtaking, yeah. So I, I take it both of you um, got to see or be fairly close to the the big guys, the the main cast. Of course, yeah. I mean, especially in Maz's castle. I mean, you know, my, my scene is with Han Solo, Ray, Finn, Chewbacca, and Maz. So you know, we got to spend. It was good. I think we did about. It's hard to remember now. I think we did four or five days on yeah, that. From what I remember, the film, yeah. Three days one week, and then maybe four days another week. I think. Yeah, it was. I think it was about two weeks, weren't you? Yeah, and then we went we went back intermittently. So it's hard to remember, but because it was such a surreal kind of 
dream doing it. Yeah. That, you know, looking back, do you find that? But you just go, I can't really remember what happened. Because obviously, I mean, I mean, the great thing is that you know, you know, we're all fans of the, of Star Wars anyway. Yeah, you know, it's, it's not. Incredible. It's not about you know being in it. Is is amazing. If we're even, fan, even, we, even we now, the stories, yeah. 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 even now, even now, it's hard to to when people say, "What's it like?" I'm like, ask me in ten years because I still can't can't take it. I'm in. still pinching myself. Yeah. You know, no, I even pinch you. Yeah. Yeah. You, did I did you did do it. You did do it. I saw you. You did it. So. How did you get the call uh, to, to take part? Uh, the, the, uh, the, the call I got was um, I actually did some work out in Dubai uh, on a show and the choreographer on that show, he became the creature coordinator on uh, The Force Awakens and uh, it was him that recommended me for the part. So, uh, of course, I didn't know that until the day when I went down for, for what I thought was a casting. And all the time I'm thinking, what do they want to do? Well, they want to dress up and run around like a creature. I had no idea. And uh, until I got there, I got uh, measured up by wardrobe, had a head casting, um, saw the design of the creature that they, you know that I came to look at. And uh, it was then that was told, uh, basically, welcome to Star Wars. Um, but it was all, obviously, all hush-hush and, you know, you can, you know, you know, even even on on set you couldn't really talk about Star Wars. It's like Fight Club. Yeah, yeah. It's the first rule: don't talk about it. Yeah. It's amazing. Don't I mean, talk about what? I don't know. I can't talk. Yeah, right. Well, that, that's what's funny about my uh, getting involved with. In I mean, I've been as you know, I've been a creature for about ten years now, and um, a lot of the people that were doing Star Wars, I'd worked with on Guardians of the Galaxy, Thor, um, Captain America, and all these all these movies. So so I was a known person to them. So when they were casting for the for the creature before. Um, I was one of the early ones that was brought in. Um, Martin Rezard, who's, who's a great creature designer, um, he recommended me to Brian Herring, who was putting together the, the crew. And Brian got in touch and just phoned up and said, look, I'm putting together a group of people for a film that's, that's, that's going on at the moment. Didn't say what it was. And said, uh, will you come to Pinewood Studios and meet us? And um, I just said to him, is this what I think it is? And he said, yes, it is. <laughs> and I said, yeah. I'll see you on Monday. It was Brian and that's uh, it. And I met on, that was on, it, uh, yeah. And Brian's a, yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah great he, he put it all together. Yeah. And uh, but but basically, the team were known by people uh, for work they'd done in the past. So it was all recommendations. So there wasn't even really an audition audition process. It was just it was just taken for granted that we were highly recommended and we could do the job. So we just went in and just started, which was amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, really. it, it is. It, it, I thought it, we'd it, have to audition for it. Yeah, it's a, yeah. And it's a complete honour. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. So 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 I owe it all down. To, to Martin really and, and, and Brian and Neil for taking a gamble and, and, and putting us in it really yeah you know excellent well guys it's been a pleasure talking to you both and you know same and, uh, same in you and um, the metaphors hopefully. be with you <laughs> always it's so cool hearing Archer Dito in the background <laughs> yeah that's always pleasant to hear <laughs> I've actually got a, a, a photograph of all the um, Star Wars The Force Awakens crew that they had there with R2-D2 in front of them. It's, it's a really nice photograph. And um, it's great to hear those kind of stories, you know, just to, how some of the, the smaller bit part actors actually got involved. Mm-hmm. And, and you can just imagine receiving the call. And, you know, I would like you to turn up to Pinewood for um, a screening thing. And you're like, oh, okay. 
is this what I think it is? Uh, yeah. Right, see you Monday morning. <laughs> yeah, nice. Well, I guess that's, that's kind of what people can do down in Atlanta with Pinewood Studios down there, too. Yeah. So that was Paul Warren and Keith DeWinter who are in The Force Awakens. I also spoke to another guy who was in The Force Awakens, and this guy's name is Phil Hodges. Have a listen to this. So I'm back at Field of Force Day uh, 2016, and I'm with Phil Hodges. How are you doing, Phil? Very good, thank you. Very good. What, what did you actually do? Um, well, I was an extra in uh, Star Wars Force Awakens, where I played an X-Wing pilot. Um, so quite lucky to, to land that, obviously, no pun intended. Did you actually get to film on location, or was it all at, at the studios? No, um, it was sort of 50-50, uh, part on... Uh, part of the studios and part on location at Greenham Common. Oh, right. So you, you were getting ready for action, basically? And... Uh, yeah, I, I did quite a few cockpit scenes, actually flying the X-Wing, as, we, as, as it were, and also running around as background, so a bit, bit of both. So did you get to be pretty much up close with some of the um, main yeah, cast? Yeah, I was fairly close at uh, Greenham Common to uh, Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher. Um, but the studios know, and as, as I'm sure most people are aware, it was a very, very sort of uh, close guarded secret, and the filming was, was, was the same. It's all very sort of uh, uh, secular, you know, it's all sort of divided up. So um, we didn't really have time to sort of uh, pick out faces. It was all very much uh, concentrated on what, what we were supposed to be doing. So, so how, how long was it before you could actually let people know that you might be in a certain film? Um, I, it was filmed. Uh, Sort of throughout, I filmed throughout the sort of summer, as it were, of 2014. Um, it was a bit weird for me because I have a day job, which I continue to do after filming Star Wars. Uh, then I did other films and TV uh, uh, TV shows, and um, it all sort of blends into one. It wasn't until the film came out uh, December last year, so December 2015. I think it was I think it was November of that year yeah. that I um, told my children that I was in. I'd been in Star Wars, so. And how did they react? Um, they was a little bit cross, but I hadn't told them sooner. But like most of the guys you'll speak to, they're in Star Wars. You, you don't want to jinx it. You don't want to um, put photographs of yourself. Not that not that there were any, because it was, it was such a closely guarded um, film set. You just didn't want to jinx the, the fact that you was in such a big film. Um, so I, I just decided to keep it to myself until I saw other guys coming out of the woodwork, as it were. And you, you've also got the the, the, the fear that. Uh, you might have ended up on the cutting room floor and make yourself look stupid. But... Yeah, you don't. You don't want to pick yourself up and then you don't appear in the film at all. Um, I mean, I don't have sort of a massive sort of close-up shot in the film. It's, it's mostly extras, you know, as, as a sort of supporting um, actor. You don't, but um, just to be on the film it, it, in itself is oh. it's just awesome. It's, it's, you can't describe it. Um, you know, I, I remember Star Wars: Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi as a child. So to find myself filming. A new Star Wars film is pretty. It was out of this world, literally. You know, you, you, you're pretty much immortalised in the, the, the folklore now. Yeah, um, it still doesn't sink in. To be honest, it's such a big franchise, and, and I know people use the word franchise a lot. Um, 
but it is it's probably one of the biggest films franchises ever to be honest and just to have a small part in that and be connected with that is, is, is great um, I, I do quite a few cons signing cons um, and I have bumped into quite a few of the bigger actors and we just chat um, you know they're great they recognise you they chat away and I've got some great great sort of friendships out of being in, in what is like I said an awesome film so it's, um, it's pretty it's still pretty surreal even now it's quite quite weird <laughs> and I noticed on your table um, that you've got some uh, other bits and pieces you've been in I noticed you in um, in military uniforms yeah um, I was in Fury um, I started off doing um, background acting uh, mainly in documentaries World War 2 documentaries um, for BBC Sky um, PBS the American Channel um, and from that I was in Fury um, the Brad Pitt uh, World War 2 film and since then I've, I, I, I kind of landed Star Wars um, sheer hot luck to be honest um, that's how I got a role in Star Wars um, since I've done uh, TV series with um, Tom Hardy Taboo which is I think is due out Christmas and I've just not long finished filming Black Mirror uh, which is like a sort of it's, it's a semi it's not sci-fi it's futuristic I should say it's a series it's Charlie Brooker's uh, new series which is I think for Netflix now it was Channel 4 but now I believe like most things um, Netflix have all the rights to it yeah Netflix and Amazon are really pulling out all the stops now yeah I think originally when Charlie Brooker signed up to do a new series I think it's I think it's his third series it was for six episodes and Netflix came on board and it's now risen to 12 so there's obviously money in, in, in signing up to Netflix to have your work uh, put on the screen that's brilliant that's absolutely cool well it's been an actual pleasure to talk with you Phil Thank you. And um, I hope to speak to you again soon sometime. Thank you very much, Mark. Absolute pleasure as well. Thank you. Man, something was kicking up the bass at the end there. Oh, yeah, they did have live bands on. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But uh, how cool was that to be an X-Wing pilot? Oh, oh, my. I just, well, I mean, America's huge, but that's it, one of the things that I wish I kind of lived closer to, you know, New York City or L.A. or something like that. Or Atlanta now, you know. I've got a, a friend who was in the new Alien movie and I'm trying to find some time in his schedule because he does a lot of other things as well to come on the show and talk about his time on set. That would be very cool. This is his biggest part he's played, but to actually be in a, a big movie franchise is it must be something else, even if it is a small role. It's something that will always be there, you know? Mm-hmm. Next up is Carol Summers, and um, she's a cosplayer. You'll find out what she actually does as cosplay um, when I play it in. So here we are at uh, Phil the Force Day 2016, and I'm with a lovely lady called Carol, who's um, here today dressed as Poison Ivy. But it's not your, your standard Poison Ivy costume, is it? Uh, no, I decided that, well, not everybody's built for Lycra, first of all, so you shouldn't have to stick with it. So I thought I'd go for a little bit of a 50s-inspired steampunk Poison Ivy. Um, everything on the costume has been built to be touched, um, so we've got lace on my shoulders, we've got velvet and lace on my collars and the edge of my skirt, we've got 
um, lights with um, foam flowers. Um, we've got buttons which have got uh, various different flowers and a dragonfly. Uh, we've got a nice big tutu with lots of ivy underneath. And just kind of bringing lots of different elements in that people can touch and for different senses and something that's a little bit different. Um, inspiring that not everybody has to be. Well, that's what it's all about, isn't yeah. it? Today is uh, all about uh, uh, in- inclusion and yeah. interaction. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's, I think it's an amazing, amazing costume you've got here because it's all these um, LEDs that are all over it as well. Yeah. And uh, it, it's just, well, you, you can see you everywhere. <laughs> and then it's, oh, look, just follow the umbrella. <laughs> well, I, I wanted something that would be uh, nice and bright for people that don't necessarily have the same range of vision that everyone does um, and lights are one of those things that you know a little fairy light here or an LED there and some people can see that but they might not be able to see other things in the room so it's it's a nice addition I think. Are you finding that people are reacting to you because of that fact? Yes lots of people like fairy lights. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I think it's fairy lights, unicorns and rainbows yes. I think at the moment. Yes very much so <laughs> and if I, if I give up on my wig I've got multicoloured hair underneath so we might have a multicoloured poison ivy wow (laughs) (laughs) well it was absolutely fantastic talking with you that's okay and um, well we'll we'll put you you'll be on the podcast and we'll um, you know put the photos up on the website and everything Um, you haven't really well you've got your little purse thing I do have my little purse thing so I was going to give you a card so that you can see see yeah that'd be wonderful alright she does a lot for Field of Force Day as you can tell she's very aware of people with visual impairment Mm -hmm. so she builds their costumes with that in mind so that they can feel the costume and that's lovely of her to to think that way she also goes to other comic cons raising awareness for Phil the Force Day especially with some of the celebrities that are at some of the other events and in a hope that they might get in touch with JJ and Simon to appear at Phil the Force Day nice I'm trying to envision a 50s steampunk I just my brain is short circuiting on that <laughs> I can't do it for everybody out there, the photos will be in the show notes, so uh, you'll be able to see what's going on with that. Yeah, my brain keeps shifting to something like Mad Moxie from the Borderlands franchise. Gamers know what I'm talking about. Steampunk, Poison Ivy, just it doesn't register. <laughs> right, this next interview... I've played you this one before, John, previously off-air, as it were, and I had fun with this interview. I, I, I enjoyed this one a lot. Right, so here I am once again at Field of Force Day 2016, and I'm here with Mark Silk. Now, you might not know that name, but you've probably heard his voice. Never heard of him! <laughs> so, Mark, what would people know you from? Oh, it depends what they watch or listen to. Um, hello, by the way. <laughs> nice to meet you. Nice to chat. Um, I, I do the voices for a lot of cartoon shows and animation shows and, and um, all kinds of bits and pieces, games. Have you seen Katie and Ollie? We have not seen Katie or Ollie. 
Is Katie or Ollie here? Please report to duty. Thank you. Um, just trying to help out there. Um, I was the voice of a guy on, on Cartoon Network over here called Johnny Bravo Man. Oh, mama. That's right there, kid. Johnny, baby. Uh, and there's, uh, uh, there's for CITV over here and, and loads of other bits and pieces over the past few years, um, I've been brought in to be the voice of a guy called Scooby Dooby Doo. <laughs> like it's really creepy in here, Scoob, old pal. Right, Scoob? <laughs> and, you know, I grew up as a huge fan of Scooby-Doo. You know, Don Messick was the original uh, voice of Scooby-Doo back in 1969. And before I was doing this, I would do this for years, you know, but, but before I was doing this, I'm just, I'm still a big fan of, of their work. <laughs> but Don Messick died back in 96, I think it was. But uh, I got to meet him, and it was so you know, wonderful to actually get to um, chat with somebody that's a, you know, you know, I'm a huge fan of his work. Um, anyway, so there's been that. There's, uh, I got, uh, again, I'm a massive Star Wars fan. And, and so you can imagine how I felt when I got to work with George Lucas on Star Wars Episode One. So I was the voice of a guy called Axe Mo. And you see him in the Senate scene. And so, you know, the parliamentary scene. And, and he's got a, he looks like Reeves. So he's got a, a goat's head and three eyes and, and very dry skin. Handsome guy. And, you, and when you hear him say, um, the Congress of Malastair concur with the right honourable delegate from the Trade Federation. A commission must be appointed now. Give me a cake. That's him. So, but there's loads of this. There's Pingu, there's a show called Roy the Racing Car, there's Fifi and the Flower Tots, there's a cool show on CBBS called Go Jetters, where I'm the evil Grandmaster Glitch. There's games, there's uh, New Danger Mouse. I grew up as a massive Danger Mouse fan, so I'm the New Danger Mouse. I do 30 characters, and I'm the voice of Nero in Danger Mouse, and there's, there's, loads, of them. there's loads of them, absolutely loads of them. That's amazing, because uh, myself and my co-host, who actually is over in Pennsylvania, he is a massive Danger Mouse fan oh, as well as me I Me too. Me too. I mean, so, Terry Scott and David Jason, I grew up you know, I grew up admiring their work and you know, the work of Cosgrove Hall, the people behind those amazing shows in the you know, 70s and 80s. And the very first show I ever worked on was a Cosgrove Hall animation called Rocky and the Dodos. And, and so, you know, it's been... Yeah. I feel so privileged to work with these people and know these people and create new characters for these people but it's it's been it's absolutely awesome and, and the reaction here today has been so much fun and you, know, you, you see people that grew up watching the shows uh, or watching them now uh, or, or like me just you know fans of animation fans of Star Wars and it, it's it's just today we're sort of sharing our love of all the same stuff it's really nice to meet all these all these uh, people who've come along to the, the event and the one thing I wanted to ask is when you've got a character like Johnny Bravo, mm-hmm. well, you're an English guy. How did you get to play a character? Why, so why an English guy did an American character voice? Yeah. Well, you do realise the voice of Scooby-Doo isn't actually performed by a dog. You see? Because technically, with that logic, only animals should perform animal cartoon characters. Well, no, I, I, I know what you're saying. Oh, it's, it's, no, it's, a, it's a perfectly reasonable question. And what it comes down to is it's the performance. Because it isn't, are you actually English or are you actually a, a, a dog? It, it's it's who's, who actually, in the end, whose performance works best for that character. Oh, right. So um, I've been the voice of Bob the Builder in America for a decade. Really? Yeah. Hi, I'm Bob the Builder. How are you doing? Today we're going to build a concrete bridge. Come on, Wendy, let's go. 
Scoop, Mark, Dizzy, let's do it. So, yeah, and uh, again, um, it, it's, it wasn't because I'm American or it wasn't because I'm, I'm English. It was because the, 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 the makers of the show, they, they felt what I was doing was a good fit for it and, you know, and the attitude of the character. And also, what a cool thing. It's so cool. It's yeah. really cool. Even things like for movie trailers, for real drama, action and adventure. Now, more than ever, get ready. And things like, um, even stuff like, if you ever hear, um, sometimes it's me, that is that voice that you'll hear say, the magical world of Disney. You know, all that stuff. There's, there's, a, there's a big variety of bits and pieces that I get brought in for it, and it's very cool. That is awesome. It is very awesome. <laughs> Mark, it's been an absolute pleasure talking you to you. You too. No, thank you. Nice, nice to um, nice to speak to you too. And uh, all the best with the podcast. Thank you. He's so cool. But you know, I think that I could be pretty good at doing movie trailers as well. <laughs> now, one in a world where an Englishman and a and a Yankee go crazy on a podcast. <laughs> One thing I will say about Mark, he was so generous because not only did he talk to us for the show, he actually did a few stings and eye dents for us. Nice! Uh, I'll give you an example, but you may have heard this on occasions on, on the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, you know it, you love it, you can't live without it. This is TGP normal. Nominal. Damn. <laughs> nice. And, and, and Bob the Builder, yeah, because my kids used to watch that all the time. <laughs> so to, to hear that he was Bob the Builder over here, it's like, what? <laughs> what? But he's in, been involved in so many things. And now the strange thing is I hear voices on TV, you know, voiceovers. And I'm like, <laughs> that sounds like Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on Facebook going, was you on the commercial for uh, such and such? Yep, that was me. Nice. <laughs> but he's such a nice guy. And thanks, Mark, for like it. The, the, the little voiceovers that you've done for us. It's fantastic. Yeah, we hope to see you again at uh, other events. Now, the next interview that I did is not strictly sci-fi or geek related but it is related to what we cover in many respects and you will hear why in a second so i'm back at field of force day 2016 and i'm talking to a guy called callum shakespeare now callum is involved with a very exclusive sport tell us a bit about what you actually do and what you're involved with Okay, yeah, um, so I'm one of the members of the Peterborough Phantoms sludge hockey team who are based up near the uh, the ice rink near the hospital in Peterborough, which was always very amusing, you know, just ice hockey just around the corner from the orthopaedic hospital, so very lucky there. So, yeah, we've been running since 2011, I believe, one of the few founding members still in the team, because uh, as the league's developed, people have gone off to start their own teams closer to them to just build the league up, really. Basically, it's a normal inclusive a version of ice hockey whereby we sit in sleds which are a little bit off of the ice um, using two sticks to propel ourselves and to play with the puck 
and then yeah just like full-on ice hockey so full contact body checking into the boards everything that you love about a good ice hockey game it's all in there you know the shots are on pucks traveling in excess of 90 mile an hour all of it just zooming around the ice been told by a few people that it's better as a spectator sport because um, there's a lot less puck whizzing around a lot more actual play with the puck so it's easier to see what's going on but yeah, as I said, it's all inclusive. So we have people with sort of double amputations. We've actually, in the league, there's a guy with a triple amputation, all the way through to people with very minor disability or full ability to play the sport. So yeah, so 2011, uh, I believe 2012, 2013, we won our first league. Been league champions since then. So yeah, it must be 2013. So that's four league titles over our belt so far. That's quite an impressive record. <laughs> we got some of the best players in the, in the, in the country playing for us and certainly some of the ones that's the top top 20 in the world play for us as well so we're very lucky in our team makeup. we've got a core of good players that play for GB so obviously they've been out doing world championships and stuff and, and they've got the skill to click and play on the ice as, as a solid unit which obviously then um, with the newer players coming through and building on that experience and taking inspiration from them and then just being able to use them to go forward and uh, bring up their own game and certainly put in, put in the shots and put in the, put, in the, put in the effort. So some of your guys will be going out to Korea then for the uh, Paralympics? Well, we've got the uh, World Championships first to qualify um, before that. But yeah, fingers crossed, you know, we've got a good team, they're a good solid team. Hopefully get through the group to be able to get into the uh, yeah, career. Excellent. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you, Callum. Nothing else, um, if, if people want to know a little bit more about the sport or, or your um, team in, in general, uh, how would they get a hold of you? If you want to watch a bit more, just uh, YouTube it, Sledge Hockey. There's hundreds of videos out there. Some are a minute long, some are full matches. You know, it depends on who you're watching, obviously. But yeah, Google Peterborough Phantom Sledge Hockey. We do have a website. We're also on Facebook. And I presume the other social media outlets, I don't really use them myself. But I know that, that you know, obviously people tweet about us and stuff. So you can follow us. Just Peterborough Sledge Hockey. Thanks again. So yeah, Sledge Hockey. Quite an amazing sport to watch. It sounds different. Um, you've got elongated blades on the bottom of it. So imagine the blades on the bottom of an ice skate, like twice the length of those, so that it's uh, enough to uh, support somebody sitting in the sled. And you have two sticks. One of them is basically to control the sled, and the other one is to hit the puck. And because you're that low to the ground, you see a little bit more action. But as you said, 90 miles an hour, a puck travelling across the ice. Yeah. (laughs) I love the Winter Paralympics. Mainly, I know this might sound a bit macabre or sadistic, it's a much more dangerous games than the summer games. I know in the summer games you've got things like wheelchair rugby or, as it's known affectionately, strange thing to say, affectionately, across the board it's called murder ball. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. If you see the state of the wheelchairs after a game of of wheelchair rugby, you'll understand why. Ah, okay. Uh, It's full contact sport, so if somebody's got the ball, you basically wheel at full pelt at them <laughs> to get the ball off them. Man, okay then. It's a quite a violent sport. And sled hockey is 
similar in that respect because you get the speed of the sledge going across the ice and you also get the the normal aspect of ice hockey where the gloves come off (laughs) (laughs) well you know how it goes um (laughs) but yeah fantastic sport and it is part of what we try to promote on the show the inclusion side of things Mm-hmm. And I just love the way that the game is played by disabled and able-bodied people, because when you're sat on the, uh, not literally on the ice, but you know what I mean, when you're right. sat on the ice, n- there's no advantages or disadvantages. Actually, people who are uh, used to being in wheelchairs do have an upper body strength advantage because they're used yeah. to wheeling their chairs. Yeah. Um, so it's at that point that people with a disability have the advantage that's kind of the the department of ability looking uh, at it if if, if, you, if you like because the department of ability are using their disabilities as their superpowers mm-hmm. so that brings it home that they're using their power that they use from having their disability as their advantage and i think that's amazing yeah yeah i will admit i always thought about you seeing wheelchair races and so forth during like the summer paralympics i I just look at them going and the speeds that they're going and think their upper body muscles must be ridiculously strong yeah um we have a a guy over here called uh david weir or the weir wolf as they they call him Uh, (laughs) and his arms are like tree trunks they are huge but yeah, there's some amazing athletes out there in the Paralympics, and uh, it is very humbling. It, you know, you grumble about the slightest little ailment that you might have, and then you think to yourself, "Well, why am I grumbling about this?" Mm-hmm. And uh, I think everybody needs to think that way because there are people out there that, okay, they've got a disability, but it's in some cases how they got the disability. I know some people were born with a disability, which makes no difference, but if you were in a a car crash or something that caused you to become disabled, you've got to overcome that part Mm -hmm. of of things and then get on with things as, as normal as you can. And some people go beyond that and that's what makes it humbling above and beyond mm-hmm. and during the paralympics the tagline for the paralympics on on channel four sports in the uk was the superhumans hmm. and they are the next interview was one of the highlights of the day for me because i am a big red dwarf fan and this lady was in red dwarf and uh just by saying that, I think there's some people out there know who's coming up. <laughs> so, without further ado, here is my chat with Hattie Hayridge. So here we are at the, we're near enough the end of uh, Field of Force Day 2016, and I have the pleasure of being in the company of the lovely Hattie Hayridge. How are you doing, Hattie? I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm surviving. <laughs> no, it's been a really good day. I, I keep saying it's more like a carnival than a Comic-Con, really. It's just so much entertainment and everything going on. It's just brilliant. It's a brilliant day. It is, um, and it's such a relaxed atmosphere here as well. Yeah. Um, so it's your first time here, yeah. And um, from what you've seen around, is there anything stuck out for you today? Well, I think it is all the entertainment going on. Um, I mean, there's, there's lots of rooms different different people can go in according to how they feel and what suits them. 
And then there's the main area where we're all sitting, the actors and lots of cosplay people. And uh, and then the, the stage there with, like, singing and dancing. We've had the Blues Brothers. I've done a bit of a dance myself, not on stage, <laughs> just behind my table. Um, the Princesses from Frozen and various other things. It's... It's just been a really good, lively whole day. Obviously, most people will know you as as Holly uh, from from Red Dwarf. Um, now that was a, a, a few years ago now. Because you was it series five was your the last one you were? Yes, it was. Yeah, I was in three, four, and five, and then the last episode of series two. So how did you doing it backwards? Yeah, <laughs> well, backwards was yeah. one episode. Was yeah. <laughs> um, so how how did you get to be Holly? Well, I'd started doing stand up from a spontaneous night at a comedy club in um, about 1987 when they'd said if anyone wants to get something to do up can't even speak get up and do something they can and I, I was a temp at that point and I'd had a really horrible day at the office so I just got up and started moaning and, um, and then someone gave me a five minute comedy booking from that and then at that point, that was like the beginnings of the comedy circuit. So there was like producers at every gig you did. So they saw me, put me on Friday Night Live. And then the Red Dwarf people, producers, saw me on Friday Night Live and put me in the last episode of Series 2. So was Paul Jackson involved with Friday Night Live then? Or was it... I think he was, executive producer, yeah, I think oh, so. Oh, right, OK. And from there, you, you got was it? Did you got cast, or did they just went to you and said, no, "Would you like the part?" Well, they they did for that one for Parallel Universe. They just get sent the script, and then in between, because there was like such a long gap between each series, about eighteen months. Um, in between that, I think Norman got married. He moved to Edinburgh. Yeah, and then he got offered his own show called I Love It. I think this was all right. And then I think he had to choose between maybe having his own show or mm. being in Red Dwarf. So I suppose you'd naturally choose having your own show. So uh, at the moment there isn't a Holly in, in no. Red Dwarf. So if, if they offered it to you, would you, would you come back? Um, well, I don't think they will, so I'm not... I'm not deciding on that. Okay, fair enough. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was ages since I was last in it. Yeah. And I thought if they were going to, it would have been series 10. So, and now they've done 11 and 12. Yeah, that's not quite, quite, so that's so quite a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The pr- producer now is um, um, Richard Naylor, mm-hmm. who's the son of Doug Naylor, and I'm not even sure I've even met him, so... <laughs> <laughs> So, so what do you think of the new star Red Dwarf of all the, the effects and everything compared with... Oh, I, th- I think it's gone back to the old style now. 10 and 11, and these two and 11, are back to the old style, really. Yeah, I guess. So there's, the there's ones a in between more, that were... Yeah, a bit more flashbang stuff. Yeah. But Because the, there's a little bit more of that um, Rimmel Lister back and forth again, isn't yeah. there? Yeah. So, I think they... Well, you know, I see them quite a lot, and I think they'd all realise that, that they were the best when they were, you know, when it was character-based rather than special effects-based. So what was what was it like working with the guys? Oh, well, they're all, we're all a little bit like um, our characters, really, because the writers were with us all the time as well. So they'd, like, follow us to the canteen all the time. <laughs> they'd just be listening in on your conversation. <laughs> um, yes, I mean... 
uh, Chris is a little bit interested in engines and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, everyone's got a little bit about them. Um, uh, Robert Crichton will sometimes be apologising if it's raining. <laughs> and you go, it's actually nothing to do with you, Robert. <laughs> and um, Danny is, you know, good on his feet because it was a dancer. Yeah, he was, wasn't he? Played a cat in Cats. And... Um, you know, likes to look good. <laughs> that he does, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, uh, Craig, is, I remember one time in the canteen, Craig, when we were all sitting around, he goes to the, to the writers, he goes, hey, guys, why do you always have me as a slob? And they went, ah, oh, I don't know. And then he picked up his plate and licked it clean. <laughs> and they went, yeah, maybe that's it, Craig. <laughs> and probably my first gig was me just moaning, so they probably thought, oh, yeah, sarcastic and moany. Whenever. Yeah, and, and then you had the, the other side of it when you played the, the, the low holly as well, which oh, yeah. was a complete contrast. Yeah, was... yeah. I mean, that was filmed differently, that one, because that was a different director, Juliet May. Yeah. And that was really difficult for her, because I think that was the first one she did. And we all played three parts <laughs> to like get that really sorted. Yeah, because yeah. she'd mainly done stand-up shows where someone walked on and then did it and walked off. So <laughs> that was really a difficult one. So what's been new for you? What have you been doing lately? Um, still do stand-up. Been doing yeah bits and pieces. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> little kid at the door. <laughs> um, been writing a script for a film script for ages that um, involves uh, foreign gangsters in a foreign country. That's oh, all wow. I say. Write what you know. That's what they always say. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that, that's, that's there's a company reading that at the moment. There's lots of things I don't do, which drives agents mad. I've had loads of agents. It's just hard after Red Dwarf, because it was so good. You know, you kind of go, oh, yeah, that's a bit rubbish, isn't it? And they go, well, did. <laughs> I go, nah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> and eventually I get a letter saying, I don't think we can work with you. <laughs> so, But I survive. I haven't starved to death yet, so I'm fine. That's, that's the main thing. Yeah. <laughs> And um, do you get to do a lot of conventions then? Um, I have done this year, yeah. I think because there was a new series coming up, and uh, it's like a, I think the cosplay has revitalised um, conventions. Do you do you get a lot of people doing dressed as me? Yeah. No, hardly any. Oh wow, that surprises me. No, um, the first one I ever saw was one in, that I did in Chicago. And this was before security got really tight, but he'd got on a plane from Kansas or something to Chicago with a blonde wig on and a television on his head. Okay. (laughs) Got well and truly searched. (laughs) I can imagine. But, um, I mean, nowadays he wouldn't be allowed in at all, I don't suppose. That's it. Wow. And then there was a girl a couple of weeks ago, I can't remember where, but she was the only other one I've seen with with a blonde wig and a television on her head. That really does... I mean, these are real televisions. That heavy, heavy thing to Yeah. It's going to get much harder with flat screen, you see. That's a problem. That's true. Just have to be a (laughs) shoebox. Just talk of two things I did. Jonathan Creek... (laughs) Because that's a good series. Uh, I was uh, a magician in that. And um, I had to do some stuff, some juggling with bananas. Never work with fruit, it's very dodgy. (laughs) (laughs) Animals, children and fruit. fruit. Yeah. 
And uh, another one uh, I did was uh, uh, an American sci-fi series called Lex. I was in an episode of that. Yeah, I remember Lex, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That, was, that was good. We, uh, Craig was it? I was in it first, and then they said, oh, maybe we can get someone else from Red Dwarf as well. So then they got Craig. And we got snowed in for a couple of days in Canada. Wow. That's quite fun, actually. Yeah, I can imagine it. Yeah. Proper snow. Yeah. <laughs> the only other time I got snowed in was doing uh, Richard and Judy one morning in Liverpool, so... Swings and roundabouts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Hattie. Thank you. Um, and what we like to do on TGP Nominal is present special guests uh, with one of our uh, honorary crew member patches. Ah, thank you. That is really good. And uh, Did you sew that yourself? <laughs> oh, no. It's really good, actually, isn't it? It, it took a lot it's to design. Lovely. Lot to design it actually, because um, it's it, really it, it's, lovely. It's a multicultural event, uh, getting it all together. Because um, I had the ideas, and I sent it off to a guy in India hmm. who actually came up with the design. Wow! And then I sent it off to a manufacturer of patch badges who are based in Poland. Right. And then it came back to me like that. <laughs> so. Well, there you go. International cooperation. That's lovely. <laughs> what we'll do also, if, if you wouldn't mind, is if I can take a photograph with you holding it and then yeah. you'll end up on our honorary crew member's wall, which you'll be up there with, with Chris Barry. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> and, um, I'm used to flying around with Chris, Chris and, Barry. And uh, a couple of astronauts. And, uh, oh, wow, really? <laughs> yeah. Real ones? Yeah, proper astronauts. Oh, how fantastic. And, um, uh, God, I wonder what they think of all this <laughs> messing about, it. pretending to be it. in space. Absolutely love it. It goes so hand in hand. So oh. that, that's why we call ourselves uh, our monthly look at all things science fact and science fiction. Oh. Um, because most rocket scientists and uh, they're all <laughs> sci-fi geeks. It is rocket science. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Actually, we've got one of our members is a rocket scientist, a female rocket scientist right. actually, and um, she's actually building and designing satellites that are currently up there at the moment. Oh. So, it's excellent. Actually, some of the uh, stormtroopers are all in that sort of business. Yes, so I've heard. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to tell which ones now because they talk to you and then you can't recognise them again. No, I think it all must be secret same. staff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they wear the stormtrooper outfit. That's it. <laughs> well, thanks for talking with us. Thanks, Mark. It's, it's, um, this is nice. Really do like this. Hattie was wonderful to be with. That uh, has been edited down a little bit. I mean, I, I think I was with her for best part of half an hour. She sounds like fun. Yeah, she is great fun. And she was having fun while she was there. Like she said, it's not like any other event because they have entertainment live on the stage around the areas where the signers are. Last year they had uh, a, a Blues Brothers tribute band. And to have the Blues Brothers up on stage doing their songs from the movie, <laughs> fantastic. She's there behind the, behind her desk where she's supposed to be sat signing autographs and things. She's having a bit of a dance. <laughs> she does it, you know. And like uh, the events that you've been to, the uh, the Crip and the Comic Con, they have a mm-hmm. sign language signer to tell anybody who is hard of hearing what is going on. That's all well and good, though, as I keep saying to people, if you British sign language instead of American sign language, because they are different. <laughs> there are differences. 
And there's also differences between British Sign Language, American Sign Language, and Australian Sign Language. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know this because of a stand-up comic that uh, is popular over here with a disability. His name is Adam Hill. He's got a, a false leg. He always has a signer on the stage with him, and he has a moment on there where he tries to swear and things on the stage just to see what the sign language is for those words. <laughs> <laughs> I remember at, at CripCon, Sarah and Jessica from Calling Utopia, they were talking about that too, and they're like, oh, wow, yeah, that really is different, because they were talking about American Sign Language versus Australian and so forth. I remember them mentioning how different it is. <laughs> so it can cause confusion. Hmm. Um, you know when you go on a plane and they do the safety announcement thing and they do the thing where the exits are here, here, here and here thing? Uh -huh. Well, there is a sign language thing in Australia. Well, imagine that the, where the exits are, right? So if you use your middle fingers to do that, so you do your two middle fingers pointing towards the front and to the sides like they would mm -hmm. if they were doing the safety announcement. Right. That actually means, <laughs> in sign language, you, all of you. <laughs> so, oops, in, in in Australian sign language. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> so you can imagine someone who's deaf on a plane going, huh? <laughs> Although, for all we know, for all we know, that's actually the people who are who are given that. That might actually be their way of saying, I know none of you are listening. I don't know why I'm bothering to do this, so F you, F all of you. <laughs> you never know. I'm going to take another short break, and when we come back, uh, I'm going to be chatting with Simon and JJ from Field of Force Day to tell us all about the future of Field of Force Day. All I got's queuing up, nothing that I don't. Field of Force every year, and there's still one more. Got your ticket, come on inside, get to level, it's opening time, fun and laughter, come and get it at a bargain price. Hey. 
So joining us from Peterborough are the creators of Field of Force Day, Simon and JJ. How you doing, fellas? Yeah, we're good, thank yeah, you. Yeah, all good, thank yeah, you. Yeah, really good, really busy. <laughs> Bit cold, but we're all right. Cold, but busy. Uh, I'll just explain to the listeners that, uh, that the guys are actually sat in Simon's garden. <laughs> whilst we... yeah, we're, uh, there's currently a, a massive great toy box, an eight-foot-tall toy box in my living room, which means that we can't sit in there and do it. So we're in the garden, freezing our nuts off instead. <laughs> you can say that. Nuts, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I could have said... No, no. He can bleep, he can bleep me out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the magic of editing. <laughs> so, what's happened for you guys since last Field of Force Day? Oh, well, it's quite big, isn't it? Yeah, pretty big. It feels like it hasn't moved, but it has. It really, 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 has, really has moved on. It's grown a lot. Oh, yeah, it has. But we won't really know that or feel that until this time next year I suppose well when the pressure mounts yes. we've um, so <laughs> since the last Field of Force Day we've booked another two events as well as Peterborough um, we've got a team of guys who are setting up an event in the West Midlands at a place called Harper Adams University that's near Telford and we've also booked the velodrome at the Olympic Park in London to do a great big event down there that is a huge step yes. up from, from last time <laughs> is. that is a huge worry no one can accuse us of being anything other than ambitious or maybe, or maybe stupid or depends maybe how you look at it <laughs> so, so first of all you've got the, the event in Telford as you say uh, and um, Sarah Parker and Dan Parker are organising that, aren't they? Yeah, they are. They came to us saying that they'd quite like to do an event like ours. Um, obviously, it takes a while to build up the momentum to get to the size that we're at at the moment. But, um, you know, we wanted to support them to do it in their area. What we're trying to get to is sort of half a dozen regional events around the UK over the next year or two. Um, so we decided to call it uh, Field of Force Day West Midlands. It encompasses everywhere from you know, all the way from Hereford, I suppose, all the way to Coventry and maybe down as south as Worcester or Gloucester and then up as high as Manchester, maybe. Feel the Force Day in Peterborough this year will be our 10th event that we've done. Wow. Counted um, this the other day while walking the dogs. That's a bit mad, isn't it? 10 events. Oh, yeah. So we've done... Um, so we did Peterborough in 13. We then did 
Corsham in 14, Peterborough in 14. We then did Bridgewater, Peterborough in 15. We did Bridgewater, Plymouth and Peterborough in 16. And then this year we're doing West Midlands and Peterborough. I think that's 10. That's 10? Yeah. yeah, that's 10. And Peterborough is normally the biggest. It's not For us, it's not about the size. It's about access. So even if sometimes the smaller events, although we did have quite a lot of people turn up at Plymouth for a first event, but even if we get a few people there that benefit from the day, then it's, it's worth it. So it's not for us about it being a you know, a massive, huge event. Peterborough has sort of grown over the years, so we expect it to continue to grow, which it does. Don't have any control over the number of people that turn <laughs> no. up anymore. But <laughs> um, like if, if we can do an event where 10, 20, 50, 100 people turn up, it doesn't matter. It's just nice to see them being a part of it where they wouldn't normally be able to participate. Sorry, guys. Yeah, we're here. We can see you now. We've got cut off. So, and we've decided to move inside. It's freezing. <laughs> Try and mount you somewhere. Pardon? <laughs> <laughs> For completely different reasons. <laughs> where was we? We were in the middle of a nail-biting question. London. London. Right. We're not announcing any guests for any upcoming events apart from the one in the West Midlands until after the one in the West Midlands. Makes sense. Basically, we really want to give these guys the best fighting chance they can, so we don't want people to think, oh, well, look, Peterborough's got this, but then West Midlands has got this. But we've got some decent guests lined up for Peterborough, and London is going to be certainly easier to get people to London than than anywhere else. So how did that come about? I came off the back of this year's Peterborough event and went, well, we've done that now. I didn't have the buzz... No. afterwards that we I had the year that, before we? we sort of really we came off the back of it and went well it was good and it was different from last year but for all intents and purposes it was very similar to there last year there was no year. challenges there was no real yeah it wasn't a challenge for us and mm. it's that that sort of almost euphoria you get when you've achieved something like that which we had the first second third year all of them were fantastic because each time we grew and we expanded so we sort of were looking for a new challenge right And I kind of had this idea that we should do something with some prestige to it, do something big. So we decided that we were going to go and look for other venues and we mulled a few over and I got talking to a couple of venues at the Olympic Park with the idea that maybe we were going to see if we could do an event within the park somehow. So we immediately dismissed the stadium because the stadium is massive and we'd never be able to fill it and we'd end up bankrupting ourselves. So we looked at the Copper Box and we looked at the Velodrome and the Copper Box is great, it's a nice building. Yeah, it's really, really useful for what we want. And we got looking at the Velodrome, it's just so iconic. That's the route we decided to go down. And it's just, you know, you drive down that road, you see that from the edge. You know, when the Olympics were being built, yeah. that was the building that everyone saw. Mm. It's the one that everyone knows, I think. So yeah. that that and the um the swimming pool. The swimming pool, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. But the the ideal part of it is that it's already set up for accessibility because of yeah. the Paralympics. Basically it's it's already got everything we need, including a changing place. It's already that integral. Was the main to the draw, wasn't it, really? yeah. So we um you know, we wanted somewhere that had all those if if anything actually and I'm, I am speculating here, but if anything, I think this could possibly be the easiest event we've arranged because actually everything that we struggle to get in place in advance of a field of all state is already there. Yeah. So I, well, I hope it's going to be the event that really sets us on a different path. 
in terms of the type of venues we use. I think it could possibly do that. And once again, if, if you're trying to branch out to other shores, um, securing an event in London is a good stepping stone for that because, well, everyone knows London. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's and it. to me, it's, it's creating access to all them guys that would maybe like to go to a con, but can't for whatever reason, especially in London where they're everywhere, but it's not accessible transport or cost or for whatever reason just the number of people yeah you know we can we can be restrictive on this we can limit the number of people in that building on the day Mm. um we can say you know it's an exclusive event you know we're we're looking at probably selling two to three thousand tickets for this event so actually in terms of numbers it's not far off what peterborough is in terms of size but the prestige attached to doing it there the ease in which we get guests at this yeah. event, but you know, it's so much easier to get people to agree to come as a guest. Oh yeah, because they know coming to a London event, they're going to do really well there. Yeah, and and cool. the fact you've got a lot of celebs that live in London anyway. Yeah, um, financial perspective, if they live in London, they're already there. We don't have to accommodate them. That's a big chunk of our budget mm-hmm. that suddenly we've we've saved. And you know, we never set out to make money on these things. They're always designed to break just, even just as well right? which is lucky really because they never have made money ever <laughs> any of them they're always designed to break even we spend every penny that we get to make the day as big and massive as mm. possible so that's what we can do with this place we can make it as big and massive so that money that we save on the accommodation we can then pump into another yeah um, something else display or something on those lines because um, I know JJ puts on other events as well as Fill the Force Day because you do the, the clowning events you do or you're trying to organise another burlesque event aren't you yeah, um, that's now going ahead we had a bit of trouble with that but we're back on track yeah we've managed to, we've managed to sort out the um, the venue now we're back that will be happening in February it's I will. believe yes it will which is good it, it just seems that you've got so many things going on at any one time but that's not a not a bad thing <laughs> we like to manage our time i mean i've not managed to get to the point where my wife is going to kill me yet <laughs> so i'm doing okay so far and and jj's wife is on the other side of this room looking at her computer <laughs> listening to what we're saying and she hasn't killed him yet yeah although i imagine she might have got close because i'd have killed him <laughs> Um, but no, we've, we've managed to basically ensure that we've got enough spare weekends to be able to do what we want to do in our lives mm. as well. Awesome. I think that's the, main, that's the main issue for us. Yeah, I think we need that, else we'd be banging our head against a wall. Yeah, that's Especially as we don't get paid for it. No, no. That, so, would, that would be nice. Anyone wants to, any of your listeners <laughs> are rich enough and want to pay us to do this, that would be great. It would, wouldn't it? I interviewed you guys in 2015, and as I said to you, it's an event that is unlike any other and we were so honoured to be part of that event and oh, we, were, um, pleased to have you there. we were just really surprised that you asked us back to be honest <laughs> <laughs> the more the merrier well it's nice, it's nice for people to see that difference especially people that are used to your average comic con as it were yeah. your run of the mill comic con and ours is different, and it will always be different because of the nature of the day. There's nothing we can really do about that. It's just we have to do certain things to make it work, and it's them things that are different. Oh. There you go. This is where my engineering skill fails. It's all going well today. There we go. Like. Hello. 
Sorry. This is why Skype is a terrible idea. You should just come down with a film camera and a tripod. <laughs> yeah, that would have been easier. <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, we were just really pleased to have you. We sort of cottoned on to there being a change in perspective in terms of geek culture and, and that kind of thing over the last three or four years. Mm-hmm. It's been coming up to that point, and I think we just caught it at the right moment. Yeah. There's a bit of luck involved in that. I'm not sure we necessi- we didn't do it on purpose. No, we're not that clever. No. Well, he's not. Um, <laughs> it was his idea, for the record. Um, so we sort of just hit it just at the right moment to be able to, to make the most of this. And I think to find out we're the only people doing this. Um, even now? Even now, yeah, because there's no money in it. So, you know, no one's stupid enough to take it over. But we have noticed that people are slowly taking on traits of ours. Yeah, that's, that's interesting, actually, because we've seen other conventions being more and more accessible as time goes by. Just little which, things. Which was always the goal as well. This is what we always wanted to happen, was for other conventions to go, oh, there's a massive group of people there who need a little bit more support to come to our events, so let's incorporate some things. And then they're learning from what we're doing, which is really, you know, it's, it's yeah. a real compliment from, from our perspective. Yeah, awareness is just such an amazing thing to get out there. Through meeting people like Dan White from Department of Ability, through your events, I've been able to push awareness further using the podcast, and, and that's what we wanted to do. That was the main aim, is to, to bring your venture to a mass audience. Well, I wouldn't say mass audience, we're not that massive but we we are global and hopefully we could get other countries involved as well well there's been suggestions off the back of the guys at Syracuse the other day somebody said feel the force day New York which for me would be a, a great idea well actually Diane Weiner from Syracuse one of the organizers of the Cripping the Comic-Con event is very, very hands-on and would really like to work with you guys. There's a few legalities we need to get over in the I States. That's the trouble That's we the hard before. part. It's not, it's not about necessarily not wanting to. It's about getting around there a bit tighter on things that they're pretty easy going about over here, technical stuff. But if we can get over that, we are completely up for it. They are a registered charity organisation for dealing with that kind of thing, and they have their own campus. <laughs> Would any of your um, listeners like to sponsor us for a fact-finding mission to New York? <laughs> <laughs> But that would be great. I, I think we need we need to kind of have words with Diane and and try and get her over to a field of force day to. I think that would be great. Find yeah, out. We what... we we, um, we have always operated at a loss um, for field of force day events, so we have always had to fundraise in advance. So our ability to fly people over from the states is very very limited. Mm-hmm. That's why we don't have which, American which guests. Which is why we don't have American guests. We've had offers before, but we just can't do yeah. it. I'm wondering if she can sort something out at her end through the university to maybe get her over to the UK. We'd be completely up for that. That would be it. Yeah. The idea because um, we actually covered. The, the Crip in the Comic Con event over in New York. John, my co-host, actually lives four hours away from Syracuse. <laughs> I need a better partner. <laughs> yeah, why don't you move to there? <laughs> you was four hours sure away you'd never get Syracuse. that box built. Do you want to see our enormous box? Yeah, go on. Hang on a second. Let's see. Yeah, that's going to be good for us. This is going to be technical. I just want to have a look. I've built this from scratch, and it, it's basically, it's going to have windows in it. We're marking them out today. That's what we're doing. We've already got one that was donated to us last year but it is 
definitely on its last legs. So we gave it its last rodeo this weekend, and I think this is the new one that's going to take over. Hopefully it's a bit more robust. It seems to be the thing to do at the moment is these kind of booth things to, to have your photos taken in and, and stuff. People like a photo, and I think that's good. You know, they stick yeah. 50p or something in the bucket, and it, it helps us. So it depends where you are. If you're at LFCC, it's about five up. <laughs> oh, yeah. But if you're, at, if you're yeah. at, a, at someone's school, then it's 50p. Yeah. So it depends what they want to put in. And we'll it's be a suggestion. A good idea getting some um, some some kind of cardboard cutouts with the superhero Kapow type yeah. things. Oh, that's a good idea. Right, we'll get the printers on that. Yeah, that's a really good idea. I was thinking of that this morning. Oh, can you be my partner? <laughs> <laughs> you haven't had an idea in years. You're still riding the first one. Uh, I beg your pardon? There we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... As I say, we have been covering the event at Syracuse. John, my co-host, was there and doing interviews with people and, and all kinds of stuff. And we've got all the audio from the panels and the concert and everything that they did as well, which was, was awesome. Calling Utopia, they actually do the theme tune for the Department of Ability. So if it ever gets made into an animated series, their theme tune is already set up for it. Can you imagine Department of Ability as an animated series? That would be epic. Yeah, wouldn't it just? Like the, the watching where Dan's come from and where he's going, mm. you know, the trajectory is like this, isn't it? He's really launched this. He's it started. I know he got some decent press at the beginning, but you know that only gets you so far. But it's just gone. Woof. And there's also an, an Australian comic and the lead character. It's, it's called Hydra Girl, and she's got hydrocephalus. Right. So um, diversity comics are coming into their own now, or in, yeah, well, as Dan would call it, inclusion comics. It's brilliant to see, guys. What are the um, the, the dates for the upcoming events? Do I point at me? I can't remember. Um, okay, so I, right, you might need to check the website on this, but because there's so many now, I get confused. Peterborough is 30th of September. Yes, it is. I can do that one. West Midlands is the 24th of June this year. Yep. London is the 16th of June next year. Next year, yep. In the meantime, there will be a second West Midlands event at some point. I'm not sure whether it's going to be before or after. My birthday is the 31st of January every year. Cancelled next year. Um, my birthday is the 22nd of March. <laughs> Every year? Every year. <laughs> Expert. Um, but I am significantly younger than JJ. Yeah, all right, all right. And better looking. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> and the, oh, the burlesque is on the 2nd of February next year. We're constantly getting Hall messages for new Feel the Force days. I yeah. had one yesterday that I'm not told you about. Uh, what, where? Saying, can we do one in the south? Oh, no, I saw that. I responded to that. All right, so yeah, we've had the that. South. On the South Coast. Newcastle. Yeah. Newcastle. Blackpool. Uh, I got one this weekend. We were asked if we could take one up to the Northwest. No, I thought no. you were just going to say the Orkneys then. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> no, but Scotland's in the running, I have to say. Yeah, it has so, been you know, Glasgow or Edinburgh would be nice. Imagine <laughs> taking over Edinburgh Castle. What we need that would be, wouldn't it? to sort of do it. Or the, um, the Armadillo at, um, at Glasgow. JJ's wife has just said, we'll have more Field of Force days than Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that way. We're the whole Comic-Con. <laughs> <laughs> but it's nice, because there are disabled people all over the place, but there's only two of us. Well, one-fifth of the population. Yeah. yeah. There you go. No, it's good. It's, I like, I'd like to think that we could turn it into sort of franchises. Yeah, what you need to sort out is some kind of pack, if you like, that it's um, yeah. a, a, a Muppet's Guide to Field of Force Day. Yeah. <laughs> well, we do have that, because JJ's involved. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, no, it's, I it's take just, that as a compliment. You can take it wherever you want. <laughs> yeah, it is. It would be um, nice to be able to say, right, there's your box. You know, feel the full stay in a box, and kind of 
that's what we've got. Unfortunately, every area has a different demographic. So a good example of this is in Peterborough, there are lots and lots of small and charity organisations. Mm-hmm. Lots of them. They're all highly competitive with each other, and there's a lot of politics goes on. Yes. So to operate within Peterborough is really tricky because you are constantly having to balance you know, one group against another, against another, trying to remain apolitical and, and remove yourself. And, and to be honest, that was one of the reasons we decided we were going to go to London and do an event there. Because mm-hmm. if we can be a national organization instead of a local organization we can sort of transcend those politics we don't we want nothing to do with those politics anyway yeah we can do that by becoming bigger and, and a national organization yeah. there will be other politics we'll have to deal with at some point but that's that was the yeah the set politics at a time yeah but when you go to a different area often there are one or two organizations run all disability services within that particular region yeah which is both easier and harder because first of all there'll be a single point of contact that you can then get into and work with Mm -hmm. but equally if that single point of contact is not receptive to the idea then you're done yeah so there's pros and cons to both sides of it and every area has a has a different method that it needs to work in and it just requires local knowledge to be able to do it basically we've got i won't mention what it is but we've got a new room Oh yes, a new room for this year. All right. In okay. For the Phil the Force Day this year, so we're which, trying something out. Yeah, which is normally very openly accepted at cons, but because it's the nature of our con, it has Highly caused controversial. a bit of oh, you can't have that because the guys are disabled, or because it's a children's event, or yeah, when, you, when you tell us we can't, it's a bit like a reg rag to, reg rag to a bull. That's the one. It makes us want to run at it and do it anyway. Yeah. Um, so, so that's what we're going to do. We're just going to do it on the day, and if people don't want to see what's in that room, then you just don't go in that room. That's it. Absolutely. You, you're going to start running out of rooms soon. Yeah, that's why we're doing <laughs> London as well. Um, yeah, we've got a few people this year that can't come, so yeah. there is space this year, yeah, so we're juggling space. things about, which is... A shame, but also a, a bonus because it, it keeps it, it keeps it fresh. Keeps it fresh. Yeah. Yeah. My, my Tupperware pants. That's it. We've um, like this year. Um, we've got we're having different celebrities coming. Different group of celebs are coming. There'll be other guys who've been there before. Mm-hmm. There'll be guys who are coming back. They're on board for this. The mm-hmm. guys that we've had previously, they know that we. It's about keeping it fresh and, and new ideas coming through. And if you just roll the same thing out year in, year out, yeah. all that will happen is your numbers will drop because people will get bored. Yeah. So we want to keep it fresh and new. And that's where London comes in because, you know, we can offset Peterborough against London and London against Peterborough. So you can have a cycle of things like that. Yeah. Right. So you can have certain people appear at Peterborough one year, if you yeah. like, and then at the next event they'll appear at London. People that were in London next were year in go Peterborough. To Newcastle yeah. Next year. And, you know, yeah. And, and this is, if they want to, obviously, this is their um, their call. They don't have to attend any of our events if they don't want to. But it's nice to be able to have that opportunity to say, yeah. look, we're trying to keep things fresh and just be open and honest with people. Yeah. You know, if, if they've worked in the performance industries, they know what you need to do to keep people interested. Yeah. And knocking the same thing out again and again and again is the fastest way for you to lose custom. And, and the thing I've noticed about your events, obviously through interviewing the, the celebs and that that are there, 
there's not been a single person that hasn't enjoyed themselves whilst they've been there and obviously they've been to quite a few of uh, these conventions and things and they to them you know they're sat in a box signing autographs all day and that's basically what they do but at your events because you're putting on entertainment and things as well and the the signers are right in the middle where everything is happening yeah. it's the entertainment and everything that you wouldn't normally get at a, a convention yeah. um, so, that is the big draw for for the celebs actually yeah, we, always, we always get that feedback which is really nice yeah. and also it's important to us because I know it's, it's nice to have celebrities that draw people in that's always a bonus but for us because of the audience that we get mm-hmm. a lot of our guys if you go in a room and a celebrity sat there and there's somebody cosplaying as Darth Vader mm-hmm. nine out of ten times they will go to Darth Vader yeah because they know Darth Vader so the celebrities although they're an important part of a con for us we sort of stalk them out I suppose at other conventions and see how they are with our guys because that that's important if you know yeah, we, we, we recce them before they um before they get an invitation they might not be aware of that actually but Uh they they do get um, we are watching them before we go over and talk to them to see how they engage with people with With additional needs because if they're they're rude and there's no conversation or they're not they're you know they're awkward around disabled people then that's not really much cop for us it's just about managing um, the types of people that we have at the event just we want we want to make sure that what we're bringing is what we say out to bring Simon, JJ, it's been a pleasure talking with you again. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us. And uh, I look forward to seeing you all again in September. Yes. Yes. It will be here before you know it. If you can get to West Midlands, you're very welcome to attend that as well. Um, um, Yeah, I'm going to try to try and get along to that. Um, I'm going to have a words with my photographer, Alan, uh, see if he wants to tag along. He's the one who has been with us for all the other events. Yeah. And uh, he's a really good photographer. He's a great lad, and uh, he's he's helped us out a lot over the years. And it's all promotion for him as well. So I always give him the photo credits. And I've had people come back to me saying, "Oh, those photographs you took at uh, such and such, uh, who did it?" So I've managed to get him some work from that. That's what it's all about. So yeah, thanks again, and uh, speak to you soon. See you later. See you later. Bye. So John, what did you make of um, Simon and JJ? I just want to go out to a pub with those two. <laughs> so much fun. Um, <laughs> Simon is Simon is ex-military and very much into rugby, so that comes out in his sense of humour. But uh, the interview there is about twenty-five minutes long. I think that we, we went for that. Isn't all of it? To be honest with you, there was a lot of it that I couldn't include. <laughs> as you can probably imagine uh, uh, yes I could <laughs> and uh, I want the unedited version <laughs> <laughs> but it was really weird to be talking first of all to be talking to him uh, them from somebody's garden and then <laughs> the wind sort of picked up quite a lot and that's when we lost the signal and uh, they had to retreat inside they both got dogs and the dogs wanted attention. They didn't understand that they were talking to somebody that wasn't actually in the room. Right. <laughs> so the dogs kept trying to get attention uh, from from them, and they're like, oh, you know, go away. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> but it was good fun, and I enjoyed talking with them, and they are an inspiration. 
the amount of things they do for charity and it, as I said before it's all selfless as Simon has said to me before he, he, he's involved with different companies and things and he said this is the only one that's been really successful and I don't make any money from it <laughs> Right. <laughs> but he doesn't care. These next events, the one in London in particular, is going to be a, a big challenge for them. And that's what they're looking for. They, they want something to, to challenge them all the time. Uh, you heard Liz earlier talking about Simon and JJ and how wonderful the Field of mm -hmm. Force Day events are. I have never yet heard anyone say a bad thing about them. It is an amazing event. And... Um, I, I just want to promote it as much as possible and see if we can get it to spread across the globe because everybody should be entitled to go to an event like this. Hopefully they can do something with Diane over here. That's you know, what I'm hoping. How she's, she's into all that, and as you said, you know, she's got all the credentials and she knows what to do. So, And obviously she's registered in New York State. Mm -hmm. So hopefully they'll be able to do something. I absolutely do hate that about this freaking country how we're so litigious and we will sue over the dumbest things you know and unfortunately it's because of that that they make it so difficult for things like feel the force day to come over here mm -hmm. it, it's really frustrating in that regard i mean but they, hopefully she'll be able to work with them and, and get that straightened out they have tried in the past but it's knowing the right people and i think by getting involved with diane something should come to pass i think and uh, I'm hoping it will. And if they need any help as someone as a liaison, I'm willing to help out in that respect. Mm -hmm. Spanhead Productions are a small, independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.com. Weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. I think we should start wrapping things up, John. What do you think? Oh, sure. So that's it for another packed show. I want to thank everyone that has been involved in it. There's so many people to mention. So everybody at uh, the Dead Universe Comics event, everyone at Field of Force Day, especially Simon and JJ. And of course, John, thanks to you for coming on board again. Thanks for putting up with me again. That's a big part of it. Don't think I don't know it. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> so uh, thanks again to everyone out there listening. And uh, we'll speak to you all again real soon. Toodles! Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of TGP Nominal. Be sure to visit tgpnominal.weebly.com for the show notes for this or any other episode. Just look for the relevant tab on the menu. Let us know what you think of the show. Send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com. Because your input 
is our output. Or you can use the social media icons at the top of the page that include Twitter and Facebook. If you would like to subscribe to any of our podcasts, you can do so via iTunes, the RSS feed, and also Stitcher and TuneIn On Demand Radio. Don't forget to rate and review us. You can find links on all our podcast pages. If you like what we're doing here, then why not buy us a pint by clicking on the donate button on any of the podcast pages. And don't forget to spread the word about us. Station, this is Houston ACR. Thank you. That concludes the event.